Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. As per usual, I'm Kevin, joined by... Daniel. And today is... Episode 4! Woo! Woo! Feel good about it. Do you? Yeah, we've gotten four of these in the bag. And between all four, I imagine 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this would be our fourth airing episode. I guess we've recorded five. Mm-hmm. Um, one that hasn't seen the light of day. We really have to stop mentioning that episode. <laughs> people are going to act like it's like this fucking Casablanca mm-hmm. of podcasts that we did. It was really just us bullshitting with a mic on. Yeah. You know? No script. Le- <laughs> Nothing. Do you think it's even usable at this point? I think there's some things we could pull away from it. Maybe, maybe I could do this like Frankencast where I just pull like words and phrases and sentences and make it into something. You should literally just rip like five minutes mm-hmm. from the first episode and just throw it randomly in the middle of each episode going forward, where it's just really disjointed. It was like, why the fuck is he talking about Zelda like in the middle of this really serious... What? what, what what's going on there? Or maybe I could run it as a second track alongside yeah. another cast and have it very, like, barely audible and it kind of just slips into your conscious and you're like, oh, I know all this stuff. How do I know it all? <laughs> where does this knowledge ne- come from? That's a more nefarious idea. Well, like, you want, we want the listeners to think that they're going fucking crazy or something broken <laughs> about their stereo. Yeah. They're like, I, I, I thought I heard something about... What the fuck did he did he say? Fallout Four sucks balls in the background. What I don't I don't understand. So Daniel, how was your weekend? My weekend it wasn't too bad. Uh, I worked a lot through it, um, okay. and then in my downtime, you know, I played a few games here and there. What'd you play? Um, well, I played a bit of Overwatch. Uh, season two is kind you're of been... shocking me. No, no, you already knew this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, season two has been happening for a few weeks uh, now, and I've been going in and out of that. Um, yeah, you don't seem as invested as uh, season one. I mean, I got my two golden guns, and I kind of really I so destroyed good. myself over that season. Like I alienated myself from the world and my friends. You got skinnier. I got skinnier. Your beard got longer. So I'm I'm still. Pouring. I think you have jaundice. <laughs> I did. <laughs> And bed sores in places I've never seen. But no, yeah. I, I put like 160 hours into it. And this go, I was like, I want to play and participate, but I don't think I'm going to do it at the level I did before. And it's been fun. It, the atmosphere is a little different. So I've been doing a little bit of that here and there. <laughs> One night when what? I was playing, uh, this is just a random sidebar about Overwatch. And now every time I go to play it, this is something I have in mind, huh. where I was just... On my phone in between a match of uh, queuing up or whatever, and I read this article on Kotaku about the heel slut community. Have you heard about this? What the f- the heel slut? The heel community. slut community. So this is a big thing, I guess, in like online games where okay, it takes a lot of nods from like the BDSM community, where you have submissive. Which, which you have your finger on the fucking pulse of this community. It's, yeah, it's like right? I'm, I'm, no, you have it up the. <laughs> <laughs> you made this such disgusting gesture at me. Yeah. Go ahead. So I was just like in the middle of a match. I actually had to like kind of stop what I was doing and really like invest in this article. Um, and it said that the heel slut community has taken to Overwatch. <laughs> and I was like, why wasn't this on IGN? I was like, why? What's happening in my backyard? <laughs> uh, okay. So basically, what it is is um, support characters will take the role of submissives, and they will basically partner up with <laughs> yeah. tanks or more uh, like stronger characters and create like a, a submissive dominant bond with them like so, a big little like a big little thing. relationship so here's something that's happening right now um you know mercy the healer right yeah 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 <laughs> so basically a character will equip her imp skin which is like the bluish uh purple devil skin that she has um they'll equip like the arrow emblem for the icon spray paint you'll spray it on a wall 
a Reinhardt, if they are akin to this this mindset of heel sledding, they will come up to it, say understood to you, and there will be a bond there where that Mercy will pocket heal that Reinhardt, that Reinhardt will solely protect that Mercy, and at the end, they will privately message each other. And from there, they will either keep talking through, like, text, or, you know, they'll talk over headset, or they'll get each other's numbers, and it becomes this thing where they spawn, like, a dominant submissive relationship off of it. I had no idea this is what you were gonna, like, jump into. No. Uh, I, I'm i amazed by it. This is the kind of content that we need to be putting forth. <laughs> like, this is the real, like, we need to be doing, like, a fucking Vice article. You think so? About the big little community. I mean, I think it actually should handle it, because Kotaku did a brilliant job. This is probably the longest article I've right, ever right, seen they, on they, this they, I know, it's the longest fucking article. They wrote about uh, the, um, the porn community that <laughs> developed around Overwatch, especially the ones that use, um, was it, like, Source Engine? Yeah. To, to basically have the characters fuck. Tastefully fuck. It's very tasteful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, wow. that that's a weird thing to me. And every time I'm in a match right now, when I see a Mercy and a yeah. Reinhardt, I get very suspicious. I'm like, what are you guys doing over there? Are you going to heal me at all? Oh my God, dude. Yeah. And there, there, I came to find out because I read the whole article, I guess there are different bonds formed with different tanks with Mercy. So if you are with like a D.Va who's a little more aggressive, it signifies a different bond between like the, the little and the, the Dom. There is a crazy <laughs> amount of like projection going on in this game. And I, I mean, applaud, I applaud the gamers out there that are just taking this, this, this fucking game and making it their own. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading an article saying like it just belongs to the fans now. Yeah, like you know, and I think it will continue to belong with to the with fans. the cosplay and the uh, fan art and developing, and apparently the um, sex fetish fantasy <laughs> fucking world that they got going on. That that's amazing. That's anyway. wild, isn't it? So <laughs> I, I was playing a little bit of that, and I had to I had to sneak it in somehow because that just it's blowing my mind. I found out about that. Like, I wish you ago. snuck it in at, like the most inappropriate time in this podcast, <laughs> but you decided right at the start in the free form aspect. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love you for it. You you didn't tell me anything about this. And and otherwise, I'm still on Doom. I'm about halfway through the campaign right now. You Uh, don't seem like you're feeling Doom. I am. I I both am and I'm not. Like, it is a fun game. And a lot of things it does, it works for it very heavily. Um, The glory kills are awesome. The succession of the combos is really cool. The weapons are fucking awesome. And I'll say, I like the sound design a lot. We talked about this very We did talk about sound. We're like, there's always this, like, light, like, thrumming, like, industrial and metal music going on. Right. And we we, we call it, like, it's like the great value Trent Reznor. We call him, like, like fucking... uh, Trent Reznick? Trevin Reznick is doing the music for Doom. So it's cool. It's always there backing you. And then, like, at the peak of a battle like say like right when you fucking snap a demon's neck it just erupts into this like beastly like (laughs) metal soundtrack right so i think like the sound design is amazing um i'm just having trouble connecting with the story because i think it's like you explained to me it's something i have to really search for it's not given to you through narrative it's it's definitely there and there's definitely a lot of like little pieces of lore especially like in files and and things that you can pick up and like audio files that you find in the game Uh, there it's there but it's off the beaten path. You definitely have to explore for it. It's not the point of it. I think they are trying to harken back to how Doom originally felt, which is just pure action, pure adrenaline, pure shooting at demons because they, I don't know, they crossed you. Yeah. <laughs> the wrong way. You know, let the demons be. What the fuck? They're what, trying to what, do What's up with this Marine? You know, what, what's his vendetta against the minions of hell? Other than that they're on a different planet, you know? Right. What if they had their own space exploration program going on? Like, Satan was just like, we need to get to Mars. That bitch is red. I like it. I like it. <laughs> this Doom Marine's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good. I've, um, well, in between bouts of writing a shitload. Yeah, you wrote a lot this weekend. Yeah, this whole weekend. I'm going to do a little uh, self-promotion or uh, self-flagellation at this point. Uh, I wrote a little retrospective piece about the action trilogy. 
in the Resident Evil series, which is four, five, six, because they release all of them over the summer. Rehashes, I should say, or ports. Did you, so did you know that was happening ahead of time? Because I feel like hmm. I had no idea that they were releasing them so successively like that. Oh yeah, they announced it at once. Okay. Um, they announced it at once, and they they wanted to basically do like a game a month, and they mm. started backwards with six, which I know why, because <laughs> four is like the most coveted one, and people are obviously going to throw their dollars at that one, and each of them were going to be twenty bucks already, so they're just like, well, let's try to squeeze out, milk out some more money from six, because people, it's like the most reviled one, mm-hmm. which I think it's unfair. It's an unfair rap. I, I especially write that where I'm just like, honestly, of those three, five is the worst in my opinion. And that one, and I always like to mention to people, I like to slap them in the face with this fact, uh, it is the best-selling Resident Evil game, Part 5, mm-hmm. and it is the best-selling Capcom game of all time. I didn't actually know that until I read that article. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a tough fact. But it, its placement was just so opportune. Uh, but you, I think that was like the first Resident Evil game on the PS3 and the Xbox 360, right? It was the first Resident Evil, and it came off the heels of the critical fucking success of uh, part four where people were just expecting like part five's got to be amazing mm-hmm. they're, they're going bigger with what four was they're adding co-op and that was a big sell, uh, selling point for it too that there wasn't a whole lot of couch co-op at the time because you know Xbox and Microsoft especially was shifting towards this online market and they wanted to make sure that you had each of your friends had a 360 in their household each of you had a gold account and each of you were playing online instead of just playing together and uh, Besides Gears of War, and I think just maybe a few others, maybe like Army of Two, which to this day I don't know how they made, I think, three of those games. I have no idea. I don't keep up with It shouldn't games. matter. They shouldn't revisit Army of Two ever again. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. Okay. That those games were just never good. They were they just never, never were good. And I don't understand why they continued as long as they did. But uh, part five was just like, yo, this game's pretty cool, and it's fun to play with another person. Like, the co-op is the best element of part five, but part six gets so much shit even though it tried to appease as many fans as possible you know it tried to give you a horror campaign Mm -hmm. it tried to give you a more action-based campaign it tried to give you whatever the fuck jake and sherry's campaign was it was a weird uh, amalgamation between like all of the styles in the game but i think Um, it was cool that they had a flavor for every fan in each campaign they did it was really ambitious it was just very uneven uh it was really bloated too I, i i surmised that it needed to be like just one big campaign but wrote about that you can check it out on the redherb.com please it's the only place that i do my private writing mm-hmm. if you want to get a peek into my gaming psyche and also i have a little another ounce of self-flagellation this weekend me and daniel went on a bro date we did <laughs> we went on a sunday sunday bro afternoon date. bro right date. before i had to go to work right to go <laughs> i remember that to go see blair witch the sequel, which is actually just honestly feels like a remake. Yeah, in um, some ways it did. And I did it because I am now a contributing writer on the website whennerdsattack.com. So you can check a review that I did for Blair Witch there. In a quick few words, it was okay. <laughs> it was all too familiar, and especially for the, the creative team that brought us the guest in your next the game should or, sorry the game we're not talking about fucking games right now we're talking about movies uh the movie should literally have been like just harder crazier and better than what we got so i mean it gave us a lot of like taste of elements that i really wanted more of it yeah it's it's not that it was disappointing because it, it no. was it was good in a lot of ways it was but okay I, just, I wanted more i wanted them to like dial it up to 11 and they kind of just kept it at, like six 
for most of the time. It's just because we spent the last 17 years since the Blair Witch Project just being indoctrinated by found footage horror mm-hmm. that by the time we got to, like, oh, you're supposed to be the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. And it's just, oh, you're you're kind of middling, ain't you? You know, there, there's so many better examples, Wreck, VHS, that just take the genre and fucking run with it. So, Daniel, enough about witches. I know we could talk about witches all night. We really could. I've got some news for you, buddy. Oh, I always like this part. A lot of it's from last week. Apologies, but whatever. It's okay. It's a time capsule from last week. Hmm. I'm going to start with uh, Shuhei Yoshida. Says No Man's Sky didn't have a great PR strategy. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing already. Sony's charming worldwide studios president shared some thoughts on Hello Games' controversial spacefarer. Speaking to Eurogamer at Tokyo Game Show, Yoshida's played and really enjoyed No Man's Sky. But the shoe admits that he can, end quote, understand some of the criticisms especially Sean Murray is getting because he sounded like he was promising more features in the game from day one. He goes on to say, It wasn't a great PR strategy because he didn't have a PR person helping him. And in the end, uh, in the end, he is an indie developer. But he says their plan is to continue to develop No Man's Sky features and such, and I'm looking forward to continuing to play the game. Shuhei was quick to reiterate how happy he is with the final product, is amazed by its sales, and personally doesn't believe the game has harmed the PlayStation brand. I think we bring up No Man's Sky pretty much every fucking podcast. It's still <laughs> relevant, and it's going to continue to be relevant for like a few months now. It's 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 both a, a very... I think it's a very bad and a very good cautionary tale mm-hmm. for other developers, and especially for fans out there, too, to just really take what you're seeing with a grain of salt. It's okay to get excited. I still get excited about games, and they end up being fucking, you know, shitfest. And not to say that No Man's Sky is exactly a shitfest, but there definitely is a lot of things missing from the game. And I think one of the most unfortunate things that come out of the fallout with this is that Sean Murray and team have gone completely radio silent on the matter. Like they, It's been like a month and a half. It's been a month. Apparently the last tweet from Sean himself was uh, August 18th. Like they, They've just gone dark on it, and I think that's the worst thing you can do Bro, to fans. own up to it. I think we would have so much more respect for him and Hello Games if they like addressed it in a way. Right, and no one's asking you to say, like, oh, sorry, we fucked up, it's a bad game. No, 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 no. Like, no we don't want that from you. What we want from you is to at least explain that some of the features that are missing in the game, you know, we're a small team. We, we, we couldn't put everything that we wanted to put in the game, and we'll try to continually add to that. And they, you know, they've at least said that they want to to continue to put updates in the game and flesh out some of the features that were promised, you know? But we'll see where that goes. I've already traded in my copy. (laughs) It's gone. Sorry, it's sailed. Now, number two, and this one's near and dear to my heart, Capcom has updated Resident Evil 7's demo. Last week, just in time for Tokyo Game Show, it's going to be a common theme on this podcast, Capcom released an update for Resident Evil 7's PlayStation 4 exclusive demo called Beginning Hour. The Twilight version update, which went live last Tuesday, adds an additional room to the Baker family farmhouse that spawns more questions than it resolves. Although we finally have a use for the infamous dummy finger, a seemingly useless item that many fans have theorized had a greater purpose, it now simply slots into an equally as useless dummy hand. (laughs) Further mysteries added to the demo include cryptic writing on an attic wall, a lone handgun bullet that can be picked up, and a new basement key that cannot be used due to the inaccessibility of said basement. It's speculated that Capcom will continue to update the demo leading up to Resident Evil 7's January release. Have you played this demo? 
I haven't, but for from what I've heard, and if you are right, and they continue to do iterations of this demo where they add more and more, I think that's a really interesting strategy to lead up to a game. It is. It, it definitely strings out some relevancy to it, and it actually is kind of a unique take. Uh, instead of just trying to, you know, blast out whatever press, IGN, GameSpot, and all them with fucking screenshots and another trailer, we're actually giving something that's in the fans' hands. Yeah. I think that's that's a wise strategy. Um, Super smart. The only thing, like, the, the, the edition, I played the edition, I like the additional content, it's so superficial. It's just, like, an extra room and just, like, you can't really, you can interact with more items, but there's no end goal to it yet. <laughs> and that's kind of upsetting to me. You know, because we, we expect, like, shit, you can do something with the dummy finger? Maybe we get that coveted ending from the demo that people theorized was there, yeah. even though they've given they've been given no cause or reason to believe that it's in the game. They just want more than what's there, because the demo literally ends with that fucking uh, baker dude smacking you in the face, going, Welcome to the family, son! <laughs> like, every time. And I'm sure fans have, at this point, played the demo, like, tens of times and have seen that animation so many times. Over and like, over. What else is there? Dude, it's so crazy how far people have gone to just... They, they They've dissected it. Like they a, dissect it. Forums. They switch up the sequence of events that they attain items, do things. They threw this theory that there's a ghost that pops up in the demo at a certain point. Yeah, you told me about it. Um, that pops up at seven different points, and they thought, if you can somehow trigger all seven appearances of the ghost, you get the true ending. And it's just like, well, nobody told you there's a true ending to this <laughs> fucking demo. <laughs> it's a nobody demo. Nobody told you anything about it's it. It's a demo, my yeah. dude. But... I got another Tokyo Game Show, a little slice of news for you there, Daniel. I know you're excited. You're getting percolated over there. Ooh. Hideo Kojima speaks his mind about Metal Gear Survive. Game design darling Hideo Kojima. I like saying his name. I'm probably not saying it right. <laughs> no, probably not. But you <laughs> say it with a smile every time. I do, every time. Shared his thoughts on Konami's new spinoff, Metal Gear Survive, at Tokyo Game Show. Funny that. The recently announced Survive is an offshoot of The Phantom Pain. Notable for its inclusion of four-player co-op and, um, zombies. Having served as creator and director of nearly every Metal Gear game since 1987, naturally Kojima was asked if the idea for the game came from his noggin. Kojima replied, That's nothing to do with me! The Metal Gear games are about political fiction and espionage. Where do zombies fit in with that? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Fuck. Except this is the same series where, uh, I think there's a, a boss made of bees. <laughs> Um, there is a perpetually naked woman that breathes through her skin. Yes. Who doesn't speak, <laughs> apparently. Is that in five? That's in five. Um, there is so many oddities in that fuck. There is literally a vampire-esque character who could move through rooms at the blink of an eye. The fuck? His name is Vamp. But zombies don't fit. Yeah, I was going to say, so way. at that point, why are zombies off the table? I don't know. I do agree that maybe... Konami should have put that one uh, on the back burner and maybe not did anything, maybe stepped away. Let us get a little hungry for a new Metal Gear game. Let and, 5 breathe a bit. Maybe right. like let people actually have a chance to finish it. Maybe do some DLC for it. And you're always going to have your fans that are like, well, fuck you, it's not Hideo. But maybe if you gave it some years, let's say like three, four years, we'll get so hungry they're like, yeah, sure. W what do you got? But doing this so soon, it's just like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Speaking of Kojima, Death Stranding will release sometime before 2019. In a Q&A session about the game, Hideo Kojima revealed that his first game since parting waves from Konami, the mysterious Death Stranding, will be out before the next Olympics. He went on saying, to go a little further, there is a movie called Akira, 
and it will be out before the year in which Akira is set. By the way, my girlfriend, uh, Morgan, will fucking kill me for saying it that way. It's Akira. Akira? <laughs> it's Akira. Hmm. But I refuse. I refuse. Okay? Anyway. Now, Daniel, if you haven't seen the benchmark anime Torte Force, which I recently watched, it's great, the film is set in 2019. Though previously described as an online multiplayer game, Kojima clarified it could also be so, uh, played solo. He went on to confirm a female protagonist, though they're still scouting for an actress. Currently, Norman Reedus of such films as The Boondock Saints and The Boondock Saints 2, because nothing else he's acted in has any cultural relevance whatsoever, is the only confirmed talent for the game. I am excited. I, I like that he has been let off the chain, essentially. Um, and I think I, I feel like there's just this re-excitement in his life. Like, it's, he's reignited. His passion for creating... I mean, he's always had a passion for creating, yeah. obviously. But I feel like he's no longer under anyone's thumb. You know? Like, he is the master of his own destiny. When he came out at E3, he had this smile on his face. He seemed so excited to be there and, like, show something off that wasn't Metal Gear... And he was so humble, too. Like he was he, very humble. He goes yeah. up and he's like, hi, it's me. <laughs> like, it's the greatest thing. Um, and he actually said, I remember reading somewhere, uh, I don't know where, that he wanted to make a smaller game at first. He wanted to make something, you know, just maybe maybe even like an NDS title. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone in the industry, all of his friends were just like, dude, you're Hideo Kojima. The first game that you make after Konami fucked you over has to be big. And so that's why he's going for this. Okay. And I'm glad. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I'm like necessarily stoked for it. I think visually it'll be really cool. Right. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a mind fuck too. But that's I what I'm hoping. I don't think I know enough about it really to like really feel incited by it. Well, no one does. It's just that's true. It literally on paper is Hideo Kojima's making a weird fucking game starring Norman Reedus. Mm-hmm. That that's all we got and people are still getting their mad ons for it. So Daniel, hmm. I have another bit for you. Okay. Sega thinks Alien Isolation VR would be a dream. In an interview with MCV, which, by the way, it's actually a really good piece, the interview that's done there. I recommend you check it out. Sega's European president and COO, Jurgen Post, is keen on the idea of bringing Alien Isolation back to VR. Creative Assembly's pants-shitting simulator already benefited from a short Oculus Rift demo three years ago, which Jurgen describes as bloody scary. VR is the talk of Sega's overseas office, and the company has been exploring the space for future releases. As for Amanda Ripley's deep space tussle with the perfect killing machine, in Jurgen's words, to bring that back to VR would be a dream, and dreams can come true. VR will take time, but we will start releasing some titles just to learn. It's a platform for the future. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, I think we talked a little bit about Alien Isolation, a game that neither of us were able to power through no um, not even because we're like we're fucking scared it's just like I got stuck I got stuck too yeah. the design conceit is that uh, from what I understand it's a long fucking game you, you described it as what 20 hours of hide and seek it really is and that, that that's grueling that's yeah. grueling to me like I it's literally like you know like a game like Outlast which is like 4 or 5 hours that's perfect for especially for like a horror game like that like, you know, imagine, like, walking in... Imagine when we saw Blair Witch, if that was, like, fucking, like, ten hours, you know? <laughs> or even, like, two and a half. Even two and a half, we'd be like, dude, this is much. Like, I, I need to walk away from this. I feel like ten hours would have been a good treatment for, you know, a beloved franchise game like Alien. Um, and I think we would have gotten enough from it. I don't I don't know how they stretch the gameplay for that long and without it feeling tired or repetitive. 
But also, I haven't played enough of it to know. Yeah, I really can't say the same. And I'm I'm one of the biggest Alien fans I know. Um, and to do 20 hours of that in VR? Ugh. Yeah, that that's rough. That's rough to fucking have your heart come out your chest, you know. I, I, I couldn't do it. I'll get palpitations all the time, put it down. <laughs> I'll do the same thing, like play like an hour, maybe two hours, be like, all right, that was cool, that was cool, it's cool. Then forget about it. I'm not going to fucking play this game. <laughs> Daniel, what do you have for me this week? This week? Well, you know me, man. I try and throw the releases at you in any numerous ways. Um, But this week, it's going to be a little Mm. bit of a mixed bag. Um, Got some console news. Got some fun art book things coming. uh, And a little bit of other things here and there. Uh, But I'm just going to open up with my first bit of news uh, coming to us from Mm -hmm. Sony and Square Enix. Never heard of them. Go ahead. Well, you're going to learn about them. Thank you. This past week, Sony announced a limited deluxe one terabyte PS4 Slim bundle inspired by Final Fantasy 15. Uh, now, Kevin, I'm looking at the it right XV? now. The XV. The XV. <laughs> the big XV. Nice. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and I gotta say, man, it looks fucking awesome. I don't know if you've like peeped it. Yet. I did peep it. Yeah. It. It. I wanted it so bad when I saw <laughs> we it. We have no justification for getting it, but I don't even care that it's linked to Final Fantasy. Yeah. Like, I just really like that moon design. It looks beautiful. Oh, it's so good. Um, the console itself is black and features the aforementioned beautiful yet somewhat ominous graphic of a moon on the front with the words Final Fantasy XV embossed in gold lettering in the middle. Included in the bundle is a captivating Japanese art-styled steelbook version of Final Fantasy XV, a new DualShock 4 controller with a Final Fantasy XV graphic on it, a Blu-ray version of the new animated Final Fantasy film Kingsglaive, starring Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul and Game of Thrones' <laughs> Sean Bean and Lena Headey. <laughs> what? Yeah, we'll get into that. And uh, finally, multiple pieces of DLC add-ons, including the Royal Raymond outfit, the Masamune weapon, and the Leviathan regalia skin. It's set to launch November 29th and will be available exclusively at GameStops for the steep price of four fifty. Okay, so you tell me, fucking like Lena, Lena Hetty, yes, Hetty, am I saying right? Yeah. Hetty, and fucking Sean Bean and Aaron Paul are in this fucking like are so they're just in Kingsglaive. They're not in the game. No, they're not because apparently this story runs parallel to the events in fifteen. Dude, what a fucking mistake. You think so? Like I would, I think that's the thing that's me- missing. Like because there's this kind of like this this uh, I want to say like a barrier between me really digging on these carriers, or, sorry these characters, because they always choose like fucking anime voice actors for it. Basically, like guys that are just like you know they have to stretch out their vowels because like you know it's not matching what's syncing on the screen and shit like that. Because you end up with these sentences like, yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> like I fucking hate that shit. Have Aaron Paul, have fucking Shambi, have these great voice actors come in for Final Fantasy. Dude, I that would blow my mind if I'm playing 15 and like the main character is played by like Aaron Paul. Yeah, I don't oh think a Final Fantasy game has ventured to do that. I know Kingdom Hearts uh, had a lot of big names attached right, to it. Right, that's right. It had, it had Haley like, Joel. It had David Boreanaz. It had yeah. Mandy Moore. It had a lot of big no, names. No, 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 no. That's important, by the way, because this is like a merger of everything that I love. Squall. From yes. Final Fantasy VIII, my favorite Final Fantasy. Fuck the haters. I know you don't like the junction system. Shut up. The story's better. Played by David Boreanaz, Debor from Angel Fame. Oh it was great in it. Yeah, dude. It didn't feel uninspired. It felt like, I don't know. He Such a good choice. Felt like he could have been Squall the entire time. Such a good choice, honestly. So, I mean, I think it would be cool for Square Enix to take notes from that and have a Final Fantasy iteration where we have like these voice actors who aren't Troy Baker it would be or cool Nolan to have, North. It would be cool to have an all-star cast, man. Yeah. You know, even like um, like the, the new Ultron, oh, sorry, Ultron, Voltron series that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has like the uh, Glenn from Walking Dead hmm. plays one of the characters. They have uh, that one silly 
uh, New Zealand guy from fucking Fly to the Concord. Oh, Reese Darby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's like the comic relief, and I was like, dude, yeah, you did a good job, like choosing like a great fucking cast. I I want to see Final Fantasy do that instead. Where like I played the demo. Mm-hmm. No, it's Noctis. No, Noctis. Like fuck that shit. Uh, Next bit of news here following the uh, Tokyo Game Show, Vane. Uh, this past weekend at the Tokyo Game Show, details were finally revealed about the Japanese version of the upcoming Legend of Zelda art book being published by Dark Horse Comics. This year, the much-beloved action-adventure series is turning 30. To celebrate, Nintendo has a lot, of sleep, lot up the sleeves of their tunics. To start, they have announced three upcoming Zelda art books that will chronicle the series' long and illustrious history. The first, called The Legend of Zelda Art and Artifacts, is up for pre-order on Amazon and was a central peaked interest at this weekend's past TGS. It is already out in Japan and will be coming to the West and other parts of the world in February 2017 for $40. The Japanese edition sports a green cover and is adorned with the Hylian crest and the ubiquitous image of the Triforce with other graphics patterned lightly on the cover, while the American edition looks to be a crimson-styled one. Someone over at uh, IGN, I guess, got their hands on it, and naturally, since I'm a huge fan, I had to like sneak a peek at the gallery they put up, and I, I looked. It was like a little like slideshow that they had that had various images, and it looked pretty cool. Um, I saw some images from the original NES uh, Famicom Legend of Zelda manual of like Link protecting Zelda. There were some illustrations cool. from Link to the Past. Um, some initial and finalized concept art of like Link taking down a sand monster. So mm-hmm. it had like you know little sketches and then the finalized like digitized um, art that was put in it, which is really cool. That's cool. Uh, Dark, How- Dark Horse did uh, the Hyrule story. They did yeah. as well, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. Like so it's cool to kind of see that they're uh, part of this uh, these next three comics because um, I think they handled that one really well. That's cool. Uh, um, also in it, we got um, manual art from Zelda to the Adventure of Link, featuring Link's tremendous sideburns. Uh, enemy art from Wind Waker, uh, rough and final character sketches from Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, and a few pages cataloging, cataloging the game box art from every title, as well as some sneak peek concepts for the Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think it's a must-have for diehard fans of the series. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm going to get it, though. No, somebody's going to get it for you. I, that's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. My thing is, I actually already have the Hyrule Historia, mm. and it's super like hefty and detailed, and I think it already has all that stuff in it like in one iteration or another, so I don't really have the, the need to have like a second thing like this, like bulking up my, you know. Yeah, but you're going to fucking get it. Like, Maybe. you just told me about it, and I'm like, okay, cool, Christmas. <laughs> I think what I'll definitely do is, like, I'll when it's out, like in February, I'll probably pop in like a Barnes & Noble. Just February? Sit, when's, sit your, when's your birthday? Uh, January. This, I think this comes out February 21st. So I'll probably pop into a BNN and then just leave nah, through it. You're not getting anything for your birthday. You don't think so? Nothing good's coming out for it. No, nah, I mean, we'll see what happens. January's a weird. I mean, only Resident Evil 7's coming out, so oh. I'm getting that. You'll get that for me Fuck for you. sure. I think. <laughs> you want it? You won't even play it. You'll be like, oh, I'm going to play Overwatch for like two more weeks. Hey, man, I'm sure there'll be another cool patch or new characters by then. You son of a bitch. You know me well. <laughs> Next bit of release news here. Uh, this is a one that actually is like really big in, in my interest. Um, EA dropped the details on the latest piece of Battlefront DLC on us this weekend. It is the third installment following the summer's Bespin expansion. The Death Star expansion takes players and pass holders into space and into the forefront of the Galactic War. Announces the new three-phase battle station mode, which will transport players into the cockpit of an X or an A-wing as the Rebels launch an all-out attack on the Imperial Death Star Destroyer in the first phase. If you survive phase one and take down the Star Destroyer, you'll move on to the second, which will take you on an assault mission to storm the Death Star and take back R2-D2 and the data he holds concerning the Death Star. The final phase takes place in the iconic 
iconic trench from episode 4, where Vader and Link's conflict come to a final head. If you're not on the Rebel side, you will, of course, uh, take to the Battles of the Imperials and guard your fleet in Death Star through these three phasers. Uh, I've never actually played the original Battlefront games, um, but I'm hearing from like long-term fans of the series that this is actually like a mode that was in like Battlefront 2 in the earlier editions. You didn't even play Part 2? No, I didn't play that. I don't even know what it was out for. Was it like PS3? PS2. Oh, PS2, PS2. Xbox. Uh, um, I think GameCube had an edition of it. That's cool. Yeah, uh, fucking great. I, I never actually got to play it, but I think that's cool that they're harking back to like something that fans really, really wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like from what I've seen via videos and read about it, I think it's going to play out awesomely. I'm, I, I, I've been so on the fence with it because I, thus far, have avoided the DLC. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was such a debate of whether or not I should get the game because it, like, it was on sale for like 40 bucks. I remember last year. Mm -hmm. But I ended up, I'm so surprised at how much fun I had with that game. And I, I honestly, like, I hate it when I have, like, some of my friends come up to me and they're like, yeah, I played it, it's just, it's whatever, it's a whatever game, there's not much to it. And I'm like, really? It, it's really cool, it yeah. really gets Star Wars down, like, it does. really well. And actually, that, alongside of, like, the Episode Seven, like, it renewed my love for the franchise, like, to have a game like that that I could put my That's true, on. that's true, it and, came like, out before and we were just, like, we were really jiving oh, on yeah. it for a while. Got right. to explore all these worlds that I hadn't seen in a while, and they mm -hmm. were, like, so, like, detailed in, like, these great ways. Like, I'll play sometimes, and I'll forget that I'm in a match of blast. I'm just, like, looking at all, like, the details of the level and, like, yeah. things going on in the background. And, like, you know, I'm not a Battlefield fan. I'll mm -hmm. say it out loud. I, I, I don't like... Honestly, it's so realistic. I don't like how realistic it is. I don't like, you know, that you have to account for um, the wind fucking up your bullet shots yeah. when you're using sniper and shit like that. But this game is more arcadey, which upset the battlefield or battlefield set yeah basically Whatever. and i'm just like no it's really snappy and really fun and actually i play it exclusively in third person mm -hmm. you know because i'm just like i can peek around the corner yeah. but pew, pew pew you know i do the I, same thing actually i don't think i ever played in first person i played it for a little while and i was like yeah it's okay when i went to third person i was like i love this game yeah. this is great it just changes it all it actually it feels more like the games that we've been used to playing over the past few years where it's like the third person over the shoulder deal um, so that's really cool. Um, and then also in the expansion, they're going to have five new maps, uh, brand new vehicles and weapons, and of course, two new heroes, long-awaited heroes, which one's, which one's, which one's, uh, our Wookiee friend Chewbacca, and bounty hunter Bosk. Oh. He's like that reptile-looking guy. Who uh, the fuck cares about Bosk? I don't know. I would have been interested in them like bringing on like one of the, um, the robots. I don't know their names. They're usually like alphanumerical names, like IG-672. Dude, wasn't there this crazy bounty hunter robot from uh, Shadows, Shadows of the Empire? Empire? That's the one I want to see. That's the so one. Cool. Yeah. You have this crazy like junkyard fight with him. He was so cool. So I would have killed to see any of those, but they've been throwing in these weird villains here and there. Whatever. They erased the entire extended universe. <laughs> they were like, this is as good as uh, a shit stain in your underwear. Get rid of it. <laughs> Fucking Disney. Um, I guess I'll detail some things here that people might want to know. Uh, Chewie's special abilities include multi-bolts, of which you can fire eight, the Mighty Roar, which inspires the Rebels and grants an armor boost, and the Grand Slam, which allows you to punch Chewie's furry maw into the ground, releasing a shockwave that will send enemies flying back. His furry maw? His furry maw. What the fuck does that mean? It's his paw, man. He's furry... Okay. It's furry. <laughs> Don't. So, he's, so he falcon punches the ground. Yes, and it fucking creates this impact and this blast radius that just sends people flying back. You ever wanted to see one of those damn Wookiees, like, shaven? That'd be weird. <laughs> it would look like a, one of those Sphinx cats. Ooh. It'd be weird to touch. <laughs> I'm sure there's some, like, fucking DeviantArt porn of a fucking shaved Wookiee. <laughs> just, like, just really gaping on Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, oh my god. Uh, on that note. 
Anyway, uh, this is going to be available September 20th for download and is free for pass holders. And then it'll be available two weeks later for players uh, for the price of 15 bucks. So it's pretty cool. Do you think you're going to get it? I was really interested in the Rogue One DLC, so I might I might hold out. Mm-hmm. You're you have the season pass. I do. You're already gonna have it. I'm gonna have it. Are you gonna play it for more than five fucking minutes before you go back to Overwatch? I'll probably play it for ten. I you you noticed me come back to it very like intermittently. Like I was playing it um, the past few days in anticipation for the new one, and because I hadn't played much of the Bespin DLC, um, I don't know. I'll I'll play the hell out of it if that new um, battle station mode is cool. I don't like your empty promises. Whatever, man. I'll deliver when I deliver. I'll watch what you play. Mm. And if it gets me percolated, then I'll, I'll, I'll pull that fucking blaster trigger. Yeah. Okay? I think I pulled that blaster trigger a little too early because um, mm. I bought the season pass in December when nothing had been released yet for, like, extra content. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And people were like, why? Why even keep the game? Like, it's such a boring, empty game. And for me, it's like, okay, yeah. I hate hearing that, though. I really enjoy that game. Yeah. It was fun I, as shit. I, I get that there's no single-player story. Like, I get that it was disappointing. It was disappointing for me. And I hate that, too. Time, like, I, I accepted it for what it was. I was like, okay, it's this awesome multiplayer online experience. But it just, it brings me back to Star Wars, man. It yeah. does. In a really grandiose and amazing way. Huh. <sighs> so these haters. These haters, they're going to hate, man. Trying to take down my force. Um, and then last bit here, I'm just going to rail off a few releases. Um, rail me. For you Bungie fans, uh, the Destiny Rise of Iron DLC is coming out tomorrow, as well as the Destiny Collection, which includes Rise of Iron, as well as the Taken King and House of Wolves expansion. And it's coming to you for 60 bucks. I think that's probably my cue to finally get it. Wait, the full game and all the DLC yeah. is 60 bucks? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. a fucking deal. Yeah, pretty much. That's a lot of content to bite into. Yeah. Almost too much, to be honest with you. I think so? You think I, it's like the, the Witcher game of the year, where it's just like, ugh. It's like Jesus Christ! I won't even touch these Too much DLCs because there's so much game. Um, no, I, I think there's something to be said about going along for the ride, where the game was very, you know, not to put it down, it was quaint mm-hmm. to begin with, and then they started adding in these features and adding in different modes, refining this and that. I like where it got because I remember it being one of the more disappointing games that I initially initially played because I went through the campaign and it was just like. Is, is that the fuck all there is? But Bungie's like, no, 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 no. We got more. We got more coming for you. Don't you worry there, big uh, big dog. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, I'm waiting. And then the first DLC sucked. <laughs> so I was pretty upset. But the second one brought it back. Taken King was pretty badass. Hmm. Taken King did refresh it. And then when they did year two. So that wasn't the first, uh, Taken King wasn't the first expansion? No, the first one was, um, Jesus Christ, you're going to make me fucking dig through the yeah, look at of it, history man. here. You make me fucking fact check all the time. Yeah, I really do, though. It's about time you do this. Destiny game. Look it up, Goog. Uh, That's why I like to call Google. Goog. (laughs) The Goog. Yo, is our internet down? I don't know. You think it is? (laughs) It definitely is. We'll never find out. I guess that's not happening. God, what was it? House of Wolves, I think it was. Oh, yeah. I I name-dropped that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you name-drop it? I did. You don't listen. Why are you making me look at it? (laughs) I didn't know which one it was. (laughs) I haven't fucking played the game, man. I've had two drinks, I'm certain to look. Well, loop away from you. Yeah, it's well, fine. we'll come back to me, Kevin. Let's get grounded. In I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next item on the release docket. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, episode two of Telltale's Batman series, uh, Children huh. of Arkham, is coming out, and uh, we're gonna get to hear Troy Baker talk to us for another two hours, um, <laughs> yell at us <laughs> as Batman. Um, never thought that would happen. Uh, it's coming to you for five bucks if you don't have like the season disc already, um, or if you're interested at all. 
And then this I'm waiting. I'm still waiting on that full release. I'm not gonna fucking I'm not gonna fall into their bullshitty episodic plans. Yeah. No sir, give me a full game. I mean you can buy the disc now and just wait. I can get a disc that has two <laughs> two fucking episodes on it. <laughs> what a devoid buying experience. What the shit is that? Get out of here with that well, garbage. Disc feels a little light here, don't you think? Seriously. The, okay, the only thing I might put up with is like waiting until episode four. And then buying the disc, okay. and then be like, oh, okay. and then building building some anticipation right. for five. It's, to me, it's just like the time that you wait in between, especially in this fucking binge watching like reality that we live in nowadays. Mm. It just sucks. It sucks. It deflates the tension. It deflates your connections to the characters to have to wait months in between releases. I don't understand that shit, but hmm. it's been working for them for like I think they did like eighteen hundred games so far. Yeah, it sounds about right. Eighteen hundred and one, right? <laughs> and didn't change, change the engine once. <laughs> um, this last bit on here, I'm just going to highlight this because I kind of just came across it and it seemed really cool. Uh, Slain, Back from Hell. You heard about this? Yes! Oh my god. Um, it is a bloody, side-scrolling hack-and-slash game that takes notes from classic 90s games. Set in a dark, ravaged world, you play as Botherin, a grizzled hero dragged from <laughs> death and brought back to life. You will have to hack and slash your way through the world and take down Lord Vrull and his underlings and bosses that he throws in your way. You dual wield a flaming sword and an ice axe and harness mana-based magic that you will use in tandem to avoid being murdered, eviscerated, skewed, or burned alive. Shit, yeah! It is a cool-looking title that blends intense melee combat with visuals and a soundtrack inspired from heavy metal. I'd like you to meet uh, my son. It's a Botherin Tape! What a fucking strong I love man. that. Botherin. Holy Dude. shit. Um, I don't... I, like, I think I got wind that it might have been like a Sony exclusive. Um, if it isn't, that's whatever. The more hands it could be got to is No one's awesome. fact-checking us, dude. Nobody's fact-checking. Yeah, we nobody's listening. Have, there's no comment section. Uh, yeah. Until we get on YouTube, then it's a concern. Because <laughs> people would be like, yeah, what's with these uh, two fucking assholes saying bullshit into a mic? And just thinking like, they can do it just to do it? Just to do it to do it? Fuck them. They're not, they're not PewDiePie. They're not Markiplier. Suck a dick. Suck, <laughs> suck the best. I'm just I'm preparing you, Daniel. Of uh, the internet flack that's coming For, our way. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't fuck with that it's shit. It's essentially like that. Yeah, you don't fuck with that I shit. Don't fuck with that shit, man. Oh, I've got time for trolls, oh, buddy. You're, it's coming. All right. The storm is the coming. Storm. Lock the doors. Hide the children. <laughs> Hide your wife. The storm is here. <laughs> So yeah, if you're interested in that, like I am, Kevin, nope. uh, you can pick it up for fourteen ninety nine. Oh, that's a good price. Save that it's like last your, penny. It's like your ocean horn game. Mm. Fourteen bucks. Yeah, that's man. Good. Which I still haven't picked up, even though I like very emphatically plugged it. Well, I didn't get paid until today. Oh. And Sony's got a pretty big sale, by the way. Co-op sale that they're yeah. doing in a bunch of games, like Mortal Kombat X, is fucking pretty cheap, thirty bucks. The one I was interested in was uh, Dying Light, the following edition had okay. the entire shit for thirty bucks. Uh, that's the um, PS Plus price, by the way. Okay. I think it was like 35 normally. Hmm. I've been... I was just like, shit. But at the same time, I'm thinking, man, well, I've lived this long without these games. <laughs> Maybe I can... Might as well keep living without yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Danny, do you have anything else for me there? No, or, that, uh, that was my last bit there, buddy. Can plow through? Yeah. There it was. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So we got a uh, very vitriolic topic this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm going to try and not be as bitter as I have been in the past about this, but... Nobody said to do that. Okay. Bring the bitter. Bring the salt, my friend. <laughs> Bring it all. So today's topic is going to be 
our most disappointing video games. Oh, jeez. And now, we had very specific rules for these. Not very specific. Did we? I don't remember any rules. Shut up. We had rules. (laughs) The rules were we had to be excited for these games before they came out and disappointed. For it to just be like, oh, we checked it out. Like, for me, like, No Man's Sky, people are like, oh, it must have been pretty disappointing. I knew that it was probably going to end up the way that it was. Because I was just like, the one thing that bothered me about all of the press tour that they did for that fucking game was like, they would show it, they would show, you know, some bullshit, you're walking on a planet, they would show like, oh yeah, by the way, you can go straight into the stratosphere, directly from the planet, oh yeah, you like Hmm. that, eh? And they never once kind of detailed what the gameplay actually was. It wasn't until like, directly upon release, they'd be like, oh by the way, it's a survivalist heavy game. Hmm. And you're like, how heavy? Well, every step you take, you pretty much die. <laughs> or you, you, your suit starts fucking ringing all these bells and whistles, and you got to start mining for helium nine and plutonium pretty much constantly to the point where you can't even explore the universe. We were talking about that guy who spent two weeks just like walking straight across a planet to see like end to end on it, and. I was like, why did it take two weeks? And you're like, well, because there are survival elements. Like, he probably ran out of resources for his suit, ran out of this, had right. to fucking his, eat, his, do all this his stuff. His life support started depleting. His, um, uh, basically, his environmental protection started depleting. So if it's too cold or too hot on the planet, your suit immediately, like, that meter starts going down. You have all this shit going on. But I knew. I knew right away. Yeah. That so I, yeah. Just, I was just like, whatever. Like, I, I tried it. I played it. I bought it at 60 Shouldn't be $60. I don't know why he did that. I wanted I wanted to be part of the consciousness. You know you know I love doing that. Yeah. I'm in gaming. I write about gaming. I want to be there for when things happen. I I'd rather not look at No Man's Sky on the outside and point fingers. I want to be on the inside and be like, okay, so why does this suck? I get that. You know, uh, I don't have that tolerance for movies. By the way, if somebody tells me a movie sucks, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> you know. I think I have that level of tolerance for music because like I'm a big music guy. So yeah, if somebody's yeah. like an album's bad or like. Somebody says it's good, but I, I've known that it's bad. I want to check it out and find out for myself why it's bad. No, I listen to some god-awful things mm. uh, just walking by your room. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on there? It sounds like jazz met acid punk. That's about right. <laughs> I don't understand. Me and my Trioscapes night where I'm just listening to fucking jazz fusion. You're like, what is happening? This is too dissonant for any man to take in. <laughs> <laughs> it is much too dissonant, Daniel. <laughs> Are you okay? Did I just see you? You look like a fucking Andy Warhol painting. (laughs) No, so those are our rules. We had to be excited beforehand, and then the bait and switch had to happen for these games. We got fucking slapped. So I'm going to start this off, Daniel. Okay. I want to stroke you into fruition right now. So the first game, and I know I talk about the series all the fucking time, but knock, knock, you're listening to The Save Room. (laughs) (laughs) is Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Now, (laughs) fool me once. (laughs) So what happened with this game essentially was that the concept laid out was that it is an online multiplayer shooter set within the Resident Evil universe. Hmm. And uh, it goes back to the Raccoon City era. That sounds great on paper. Yeah, it does actually. It really does. Like, I'm like, that... Sounds pretty fucking cool. Like I've never That's an awesome setting. I've never minded Resident Evil, especially for a game that this year or the, the series this year has turned twenty years old. I've never minded it having permutations. I, I've had no problem with it uh, reinventing itself. I've had no problem with it experimenting with itself. Mm-hmm. I I like seeing that. I do. I don't. I would so hate it if we got the same game for the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. In fact, it wouldn't have survived. 
if it didn't experiment over the last 20 years. Yeah. So when I read this on paper, I was just like, that sounds fucking cool. You play it as a squad of uh, umbrella mercenaries, essentially, that were sent in for a very specific task. I forget what the fuck it was. I think it was retrieve the G virus. And, okay. And sometimes... You Use would, it for world domination. Yeah, you would run into survivors, uh, for instance, like Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. And that, this is where the game started to like turn into this, like, oh, it's like a other universe story. It's not actually canon. And that was a little disappointing. Okay. You know, I, I would rather them fit it into the greater tapestry of the series but you can literally kill Leon Kennedy like in the ending of the campaign what the fuck it's just like oh what like what is this fucking fanfic you're throwing at me but that wasn't the disappointing part so leading up to it you know uh, the announcement I was pretty excited because like I love anything Resident Evil and I get excited until it looks like it's gonna fucking jump the shark and it really got all the way up until it got into my hands before I realized, oh, this shark is so jumped. Oh, jeez. Because I was watching, like, trailers. They even did, like, you know, um, they streamed tournaments, basically. Mm-hmm. People got their hands on the game. They were playing against each other. And it looked fucking good. Like, it, it looks snappy. I like the fact that we brought back zombies. Because up until then, you know, we had fucking um, Part 5 and yeah. Revelations 1. And it was just like, eh. You know, I'm not really fighting zombies. I'm not... I'm not there's nothing that the nostalgia that I was getting from you know some of these releases weren't there in the newer games Mm -hmm. and so looked good but this is one of the specific examples and I like talking about this game specifically because everything about it looked good absolutely the moment you fucking get that controller into your hands it all falls apart (laughs) the shooting for a shooting game a third person shooter sucked you're shooting at enemies and they are not only bullet sponges, but they don't even react to your bullets. The fuck? You know, you're shooting at a zombie point blank, and they won't stop coming, and they won't, like, even move or, or react to any kind of damage that you put out. And this keeps on escalating with harder enemies. Like, you end up fighting hunters and lickers, and they fucking just absorb bullets like it's breakfast. Do you ever kill anything in that game? You do kill things okay. in the game. Like, that's, that's the only way that you know you did anything. Suddenly... The hunter would be like, oh, and fall down. <laughs> You're like, okay, I think I killed it. But before then, they, they barely even wince at your fucking bullets. I'm like, okay, there's something wrong here. Yeah. The shooting felt off. There's something about it that just never felt crunchy. You never feel like you were landing your, your blows. The controls were fucking weird. It had this weird melee mechanic going on that you had to hold down like triangle or Y to activate certain melee sequences. It just wasn't good. It, it, yeah. It just felt off. And then the, the narrative itself, like it said, disappointing as fuck. Because it was like, okay, so you had me at going back to the Raccoon City incident. But it literally... So Resident Evil 2 takes place. Raccoon City incident, mm-hmm. 1998. All of the technology in the game is from, like, 2011 when the game came out. Really? 2011, 2012, I forget. Okay. It's like, like literally, like, they have fucking, like, smartphones and shit. And the cars look too modern. That's weird. And I'm just like... I would have liked them to have dated it a Yeah, I'm bit. just like, there's no consistency here between mm. the original and what you're trying to do. Like, what the fuck? And it's just weird. And the, the online multiplayer was just like, oh, God. Like, there was a versus mode. That was mm-hmm. a big thing for it, too. You're fighting against other teams. Or sometimes you're fighting against hero characters like Ada Wong, okay. Leon Kennedy, and whatnot. It just felt so off and so stilted and you know on we should have saw it coming essentially because it was made by slant six and i'm not going to knock on slant six i know you you're giving this face like you've never heard of them i haven't that's fair <laughs> they spent most of their uh professional career uh making socom games for the oh. playstation portable not even like mainline games 
Uh, I think they did one. I think they did SOCOMP Confrontation, the one that everyone hated. Mm. <laughs> this is their track record, and this is who Capcom went to. And it's just like, shit, dude, you should have given this to, like, a, just a way more adept studio, you know? Like, you should have said someone, like, okay, you, you guys have a history in the online space, and you can make a console shooter. Okay. Perfect. Didn't happen. That one hurt me. I've gotten past it, but I remember I was pretty fucking mad when mm-hmm. I got it. Because I got the special edition. Yeah, I remember that. I got You're so box. stoked on that. I game. got it day one. And to be fair, just because I have a natural sickness in my body for this series, I played the shit out of that game. As much as I disliked it, played the shit out of it. And then lo and behold, we, we, we come to 2016 where they released pretty much in the same vein as Raccoon City. They came out with Umbrella Core. Yeah. And... Like I said, you know, fool me once, you will not fool me twice. I bought it though. You so. wanted knowing how bad it was going to be. I knew, yeah. I knew it, I knew it, and I, I, I bought it with the just the fucking tiniest glimmer of hope that it wasn't going to be complete trash. I thought, you know what? I heard that there's this kind of like single player horde mode in there. Even if I hate the online, maybe I can get some fun out of that. Get some get some kicks out of that. So was I was the, wrong? Was the online at least improved from Raccoon City? I would say it's worse. <laughs> I would say there's a lot of decisions that fucked up that game entirely. Um, your view is so weird. You're, it, 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 it links to the, your character's body in such a way where when you're moving, the camera never sways or moves, and it's so unnatural the way that the game j- just just looks and feels. Hmm. And like the aiming is so fucking weird. Like when you aim your gun, <laughs> like your camera's p- perspective is literally like on your character's ear. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't make sense, and it's so off, and it blocks half the fucking screen with your character too, where you literally have only fifty percent to kind of like look around and see what's going on. It just—it was so shitty. <laughs> that one was way worse than Raccoon City. I almost—I I remember saying out loud, "You guys should have just remastered Raccoon City." That's how <laughs> fucking bad this is. <laughs> it has its fans though it does to this day I still see people cosplaying the characters uh, the Umbrella Security Squad characters that's so weird to this fucking day <laughs> which they're not the good guys I know we were talking about this the other day too which is weird I'd like, I don't think Japan cares where these games are made I don't think they give a shit about like Umbrella or the corporations in the mm-hmm. game whereas Americans we fucking latch onto that shit because yeah. we we love this whole capitalistic fucking big brother enemy yeah. you know that's, that's, that's our bread and butter so Umbrella, like... There's... That speaks to us. That speaks to big business and corruption. Exactly. And, you know, to, to this day, there's, like, there's chapters in different cities. When I, when I go work conventions for the company that I work for, mm-hmm. um, I will see entire chapters, like a Denver, Colorado chapter of, like, Umbrella Squad. And I'm just like, fuck? dude, that's not even the heroes of the fucking game. You're not stars. Jesus. You know? It's so weird, because they're, like, this... This defunct version of the the 501st. Have you mm-hmm. ever heard of them? No. They dress, the 501st dresses up as stormtroopers. Okay. And they actually have like fucking chapters all over America. They even have like a, an affiliation with Disney and all that shit. Hmm. But it's like then you go to the Umbrella guys and it's like, yeah, man, we're doing it for ourselves. It's like, dude, why aren't you stars? <laughs> but that's all I really want to say about that game, my dude. I, huh. I don't want to. I don't want to revisit that nightmare. No. And I did play it pretty recently too, just to see what the fuck it was like now. So, so bad. If they remastered it and maybe overhauled the the combat system, or the, oh, they would the have mechanics. To the shit out yeah, of it. they would have to get a new team on it altogether. 
There, yeah, there's not there. Honestly, there's some good ideas in that game. I really like the idea of like you're blasting fucking zombies. You're you're coming face to face with enemies like Nemesis and and the Birkin monster mm-hmm. from Part Two. Like this is all cool. This is yeah. great, you know. And then it's a pure action game that's not trying to scare you, but it's yet definitely using the vibe of Resident Evil. That's great on paper. It mm-hmm. really was, but it was just everything is destroyed because there's something that's so important to me. Play feel. The play feel of the game. If it feels off, if it doesn't feel snappy, if it isn't there, everything else falls apart for me. I'm sorry. Hmm. You know? And that the, the play feel was just fucking gone in that game. Damn. Yeah. Sorry about that, bud. $70. $70? Yeah, it was only like a... A ten dollar extra edition for steel steel box. Oh, that's all you got with it was. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, you got some patches with the game too. Nice. And you yeah. don't even have that anymore, right? What? Did you trade that in? No. Are you still have it? No, because it, it dropped down in price so fucking quickly, dude. Uh, like you can you can pick it up for like five bucks, basically. Shit. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. No, I still have it because it's just like, eh, I, I don't get rid of my Resident Evil games. I don't. Okay. That's the only series, and I'm like, yeah, even if I hate you, you're gonna stick around. I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for me, dude? Um, this is probably going to be both an unpopular and popular opinion, oh, <laughs> depending yeah. on who you ask, because uh, I feel like the franchise at this point is very like divisive. Um, but my first uh, of the two that I'm going to talk about is uh, Fallout 4. Um, this is probably like one of the games I was most hyped for. There we go. We just lost any listeners. Was... You're, you're talking shit about Big Beth? No, I'd like... I was super stoked on this. I pushed to get my PS4 sooner than I had actually anticipated to get it, uh, just so I could play this game when everybody else was and be kind of like, like you said about No Man's Sky, be a part of the conversation. And, yeah, I, I picked it up pretty much at launch, too. And, and really be a part of, of a series that I, um, even though I had only really played three, I had just gotten hyped on. Um, so I got this game. It was the first one that I installed, and uh, the, you know, fucking title menu comes up. This is Vault Tech Armor trademark fallout music really cool opening like all around um come to the character creation screen <laughs> i created like a female character because for some reason i like in those games like um being female characters just to see how the world reacts to them because characters and npcs they treat females just like in the real world different than they do the male characters so yeah that's one of those things i really like to do in games um <laughs> i named my character malin after malin from legend of zelda because I like the idea of like this little farm girl going on this crazy. <laughs> she was cute. She was cute. I like the idea of like ha- having her age and going on this uh, like journey through this fucking ravaged common world. Well, like like if Link never like fixed that like future that was fucked up with yeah. re deads all over. Re deads are actually ghouls. There you go. I like it. I like your fanfic, my dude. So I had a cool character that I immediately felt engaged with, um, and from the start, the story was really cool. Um, I enjoyed the the main story arc for once in a Fallout game. Um, even though I heard New Vegas had a cool one about it, I didn't really get my hands on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool. I mean, you basically, you're living in this neighborhood with your family. Um, this guy comes and basically tries to sell you vault insurance, and they move you into this vault, like, pending, like, this atom bomb explosion. So you get in there with your family, um, you're basically put up in, like, uh, cryosleep chambers, and then in the middle of your, like, sleep cycle, these people from this institute called the Institute basically come and... Oh, fancy that. They steal your child. (laughs) Um, they just steal your child, and I think they kill your husband or your wife, depending on who you play as. Little Bothran? Little Bothran. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. 
So they steal your child, and then uh, when you finally do come to and you get released into this like post-apocalyptic world, that is your main like story arc to basically like track down your son um, from the institute, and you basically go on this fucking quest, like finding out bits and pieces about like this. Um, I don't even know what you want to call them. Uh, well, they're this just entity that everybody is kind of scared of, um, and you kind of get the sense everywhere you go that like the effects of the institute are being felt. So that arc was really, really cool, but that's actually kind of where the coolness ended for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, okay, you get set into the Commonwealth, and the Commonwealth is actually a really cool backdrop for, like, a new post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, I felt like it was a lot different than what we were given in 3. Um, right. There was a lot of, like, cool, like, historical context and things to kind of, like, you know, wrap your head around. Um, but as a whole, I don't know, I felt like it was a very boring and vacuous experience and i think i kind of like i i put 80 hours in the game and i maybe like just try to convince myself that i really enjoyed it through and through just to say i did because people are so into fallout yeah and i think a lot of that luster comes from part three Mm -hmm. but people were still like on that high for part four people were like yeah man i fucking put hours in this i'm like oh okay let me let me check it out i guess and i mean i will say that there were cool parts to it um Mm -hmm. you know that 1950s soundtrack score is awesome as always in that sort of game like it's really cool having like your like little dial radio and listening to like old school like jazz and like ballads like that while you're just like scavenging or killing ghouls um and the like parts of the world was cool and the companions i thought that was a cool aspect where you basically come across people that you can have travel alongside you in your party that you can rotate out and build relationships with and in some cases even romance so i like those uh kind of walking companions that you had that you built relationships with um, but outside of that, honestly, it was more of the same. It didn't give us anything new. Um, the graphics were so muddy and gross at times. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that game was loading as I want a lot of the times. Areas would be, like, where I was standing, it would be super clear and crisp. But then I can see, like, this kind of invisible barrier where, like, it was totally derezzed. And I, when I walked into it, then it would start to, like, process and bring the world to life. And it's just, like it's fucking 2015 like why is this game like struggling to like load the world especially when it takes like this is one of my big hang-ups about it the loading screens were like anywhere from like a minute to three minutes long and you're spending all that time loading this world and it doesn't even process and look the way it should as you're playing it (laughs) what fallout enjoys this kind of like i want to say like a meta fandom Mm -hmm. like that's a fandom of the idea of fallout and yeah, there's some great examples in the series. You have your fucking old school hipsters. I want to say that one and two are the best and whatnot, whatever. Okay. Uh, sure, I haven't played them. I, I can't. I can't lambast them as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Four, which to this day I still don't understand why it gets such a big pass because systemically has is flawed on almost every fucking layer of that game. Yeah. My biggest problem is the shooting. Yeah, I feel like... Um, the combat, I should say, sucks. Six to eight years in between games, like, the combat system hadn't evolved at all. At all. I, there was this cool, like, critical hit meter that you could basically build up, and then, like, you could do critical shots when it was, like, built up enough, and that was interesting. But otherwise, like, the VAT system still played out the same. If you tried to play it as a straight first-person shooter mm-hmm. without using VATs... Um, it it just doesn't feel good. No. It doesn't. It, it's still off. It's still like what the fuck? Your 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 combat 
it's it's kind of trashy <laughs> to be honest with you which sucks because you look at a game like skyrim and the combat in that game was pretty great the combat had a good crunch to it yeah i like defending i like smacking down some skeletors with my sword mm-hmm. it, it was good it really was it, it was fine it was it was such an improvement over oblivion whereas from fallout 3 to fallout 4 such a minute improvement it's a little bit better mm-hmm. But not very much. If you compare it to any modern shooter, yeah. it, it doesn't hold a fucking candle in the wind. Which is unfortunate because it had so many things to like take ideas from and be inspired by. Like you had Borderlands that came at once since then. You had other third-person shooters. I, I do. I say to this day, if Fallout played like Borderlands, and I just mean on a very mechanical level, mm-hmm. I would love the shit out of Fallout. I would be playing it every day. I, I, I would be the vault techie fandom yeah. as well but no it, it I don't think it plays very well I think a lot of your dialogue tree options are so shallow I, I think the story itself is just like dude your fucking son was kidnapped and you're, you're dressing up as the silver shroud <laughs> and going around and doing the smackdown what the fuck is wrong with you like it was just a wrong wrong approach to the story I yeah. understand they tried it's like I hate it when a game especially open world games do this where they try to place this undue sense of urgency on your character They're like by the way the world's gonna fucking end but it's okay you have like 200 hours to explore the wasteland yeah. fucking go take ahead. your time go have some fun your, your son's probably fine he'll be like two years old by the time you finally uh, get him again like I just don't understand it's like no it should have gone back to the drawing board and I think the problem is Bethesda as much as uh, they're an acclaimed studio. They're resting on their laurels in a lot yes. of ways. And I, I, this is not a unique quote to me. It's something that really has stuck with me. Uh, is that a game like CD Projekt Red's The Witcher 3 just fucking runs circles around Fallout mm. as far as what RPGs can be yeah. in the next generation that we're living in right now where... Fallout 4 felt a little bit like a dinosaur. It felt like... It felt like a last-gen It felt like the sequel, We sh- it should have been like New Vegas, essentially. Yeah. It felt like it was still stuck in that era. It doesn't look very good for a PS4 slash Xbox One game. It looks just about as good as Skyrim does. It doesn't play much better. No. I don't understand how that series gets a pass. I, I think people should have been like, what the fuck happened People here? needed to be a little more critical with it. And Absolutely. I, I was... I was. I was, was super light super on it, but keeping all these criticisms in mind, like, yeah okay, you have a cool overarching story, but all the side quests and the optional missions, they were garbage. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you were doing all these, like, very uh, empty side quests for, like, um, different factions, whether it was um, the Railroad, the Institute, um, fucking, I forget, the Brotherhood of Steel, and then Preston Garvey and his gang. Like, I'm sorry, Preston Garvey. I don't give a shit about setting up another settlement for you. That's all you need me to do? Whatever, man. That was the worst part of the game in my mind. Setting up settlements? The settlements are the worst part. The worst distraction in that game. I I did not enjoy doing it. I did not enjoy trying to figure out how to make these these fucking assholes that are apparently just like walking children that don't know how to give themselves water. Or, or, or even hang up a few lamps here and there. I gave you power. You should thrive. Right. <laughs> I don't understand why you're so dumb. <laughs> like, I hated that part of the game the, so much. And the worst part about it is, like, there was no variation in any of those quests. It was always no, the same. It's absolutely like, not. Oh, a settlement needs your help. Okay, go out there and clear out some raiders. Cool. You clear out the raiders. You bring some people and you set up a fucking, like, communication tower. And then, oh, no, we're overrun by ghouls. We need your help. And it was just that over and over and over again. It's just like, this is really lame. I think the only missions that were cool with any faction 
were those main story missions for those. And there were so very few, um, I think, press junkets out there that are willing to slap this game down the way that it needed to be. Because yeah. I say it in a place of love. I think Bethesda is a great studio. Yeah. I think they have so much potential to make very innovative, very involving games. And, you know, Oblivion's a great example of that. I love Fallout 3 as mm-hmm. much as I hated the combat. I still hate the combat. Yeah. But I love that story. I loved going through that game. I loved being introduced to that world, to be honest with you. It was you. cool. Even New Vegas was pretty cool. We have it in the house, by the way, if you want to borrow it. It's yeah, here. for sure. I bought it for like three bucks. It was great. Nice. Um, but the problem is they need to shape up. Like I said, they, they do. They, they're getting lazy. They got lazy with this one. Like I said, they're resting on their laurels. They're resting on uh, brand loyalty and yeah. knowing that the fans are just going to buy it regardless of what it right. is. I th- I that's think, like just unfortunate. Yeah, you know? I think Vice Gaming was one of the very few uh, publications out there to call them out on their shit. It's like, why are people raving about this fucking game? Yeah. Like, it's it, it's flawed on almost every level. Yeah, it didn't move this franchise forward at all. No. Um, no it no, didn't no. do anything new. It was boring. And the, the thing it tried to do new was so convoluted and poor in execution. The, like, the settlement building yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. where you can basically, like, you know, build townships and... Straight put up, like, beds in the middle of the street. But they don't explain <laughs> to you at all how to, like, put it together and do it. Like, I feel like the Sims fucking teach you better how to, like, put together a home than, like, this right. game did. Like, what? Like, you know, people... I remember the biggest thing, people were just like, so, uh... How do I run power to my la- like my no, lamppost? Was... Like, like, we didn't know how to do it, and then we found the wire button that yeah. was, like, hidden in the menu options... It was just hang up an electric wire. So dumb and and convoluted. And it had a lot of potential. And I guess there's a lot of potential coming out in these DLCs, um, which is something else I'm sour about. I heard Far Harbor was just just a fucking disappointment. Really? That's a bummer. Because it follows your character and Nick Valentine in the Valentine Agency. And I really liked him as a detective. I thought he was a cool character. Yeah, he was a cool character. Um, So I I wanted a little more of things with him. So to hear that it's a flop is kind of... Uh, I don't know, and then they got a new one. What Nuka World? Nuka World, yeah. Whatever. I'm I'm, I'm beyond it. Yeah, it, it bummed me out because I think when uh, the DLC pass was originally announced, it was thirty, and then they upped the price like after a certain period of time to fifty, and it's just like, really, guys, come on. Yeah, that one's just kind of like, come on. You're just stabbing us in the back on that one. Like, like just you should have kept it at thirty. I feel like at this point, between like the fucking build your own bots and do this and that, it's only thirty dollars worth of content. It really is, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean that's my piece on Fallout Four. We there's way more criticisms we could throw at it, but you know there is. But we don't want to spend all night uh, destroying Bethesda, destroying the little fan base that we have that enjoys Bethesda. Because <laughs> everyone I talk to, they're like, "Yeah, I love Fallout." I was like, "Okay, well, I have here's my laundry list of problems." And they're like, "Yeah, but if you have to say yeah, but at me instead of like you know." <laughs> like coming up with a very astute argument like no no no, no. The, the, the combat's this way because of, like no 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 they're always like yeah but I ship Valentine <laughs> like shut Whatever. the fuck up <laughs> get out of here Daniel my friend you got something else for me I do what do you got this is a big one for me Kevin oh my god I rant about this like on a regular basis almost I yeah you do uh second and I guess I'll call it my final item on the list here yeah. um just you know to avoid too long of wrong time um is nobody cares there's only five people listening true two of which are our girlfriends who tap out very early on because it's too long they will never get to this point no they'll never get the, the beef of our conversation right like morgan now is probably like listening to the bulk of it yeah. like through the room and she's like okay i don't need to revisit this <laughs> yeah exactly whatever yeah it's fine um so my second item on the list and this is also going to get some criticism both ways is uh, fine. final fantasy 13 
you're gonna get more criticism for Fallout Four than you are Final Fantasy Thirteen. I don't know a lot of a lot of people actually really liked Final Fantasy Thirteen. Okay, so these people it was one of the most popular selling. These games. people are categorically clown shoes. Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there right now. I appreciate that. I'm sorry if you got all the way through this podcast only to be shit and have harbored <laughs> a, a secret love for Final Fantasy 13 only to be told by two strangers that you are clown shoes. But sir, look in the mirror. You were two red clown shoes. Fuck. <laughs> one red, one blue. <laughs> there we go. Um, so for me, I guess I'll, I'll start in the beginning here. Um, expectations versus reality. Um, in terms of what I was initially shown in 2006. I more or less got what I saw. Um, we saw this awesome trailer of Lightning, who at the time was like unnamed to us. Uh, she was this like ex-soldier type who looked a lot like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, and even <laughs> yeah. toted like a gunblade, which true. is like really reminiscent of Squall. Um, the trailer just showed Lightning raining hell on a bunch of Psycom operatives on a tram, and it, it was really cool, like the way she just kind of tore through them, and it got me riled up um, following the cooldown that I was having um, after playing Final Fantasy XII. Um, that segment was an, an eventually updated and put into the final version of the 2010 game. Um, and that time when it was put in there, uh, well, initially it was running on a more dated engine. It was presented to us more or less as like a PS2 title. And four years later, we were given like it as a full like PS3 title. And I'm going to just go from there. Um, I'm going to start with the good. Uh, I will stand by the fact good. that I will stand by the fact that that is one of the best looking games I've ever played on the PS3. It made full use of the 1080p graphical output, and I was like never wanting more visually. Yeah, I can feel you on that. Um, between the in-game engines graphics, like you know when you're like doing combat or stuff like that, or you have like those light cutscenes to the actual full cutscenes, like that game still fucking blows me away to this day. Like holy shit, it is good looking from start to finish, and I think it's the best looking Final Fantasy game. Um, so that's one thing that always kind of stuck with me. Um, and then the second thing that really played in its favor that a lot of people really disagree with is the battle system. Um, mm-hmm. They've kind of like tweaked the battle and leveling systems here and there with each iteration of the, the franchise. Um, but this one was kind of cool. Um, it basically used this paradigm system where you would have three people in your party and you could assign a different like class to each character, whether they were a medic or like a saboteur, which kind of like um, caused you to debuff characters or you were a ravager, you would use like magic attacks to kind of like um, there was this bar that they had, it was called a stagger meter, and you would use magic attacks to like shoot the, the meter up. Um, and then if you exceeded it and actually hit the max point of it, it would stagger these enemies to where you can basically juggle them and like take them down like in half the time. Um, so I thought that like system was really cool, and you can kind of customize it um, the way you wanted. I think you could do maybe like eight presets to where you can swap them out as you needed based off of like the scenario. Um, so that battle system was really fucking cool to me, and I was able to like turn battles in various ways, or like say like a battle wasn't working out for me, I just was like, okay, I'll switch out these characters, I'll switch out yeah. this paradigm to that, and I'll just kind of go from there. And I thought that was like one of the more inventive and, and daring things they've done with the combat. Um, and on top of that, they kind of interlaced it with this new Crystarium leveling system, which people are kind of like really like whatever about, but I liked it, I don't know. It was just like a leveling system where you basically went from tier to tier and can choose different avenues, but in the end, you basically ended up hitting every rung of it and getting every ability for every character. Um, and unfortunately, that's where the good ends for me. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> like, it. The, that's it. The battle I mean, system. You, you had a good list going. The so battle far. system and the graphics. Yeah. That what? That shouldn't be the only two things that I took away in a positive experience from a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> so, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to the bad here, um, and I'm gonna start with the music because it's usually the first thing you're you're greeted by in a Final Fantasy game. 
you turn it on, you have like that little theme playing on the start menu, you have like this cool like Japanese illustration, and you have a yeah. very, very memorable theme. And up until I went to go back and look up stuff about the game, I couldn't even remember what the theme sounded like. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with the music. Um, series composer Nobuo Uematsu was not involved in any way and was replaced by uh, Masashi Hamazua. Uh, he had previously contributed work on Final Fantasy X and X-2. And the problem for me wasn't so much that like Uematsu didn't have a hand on the score, but rather that uh, Hamazu left nothing memorable to our ears. So, like, okay, Kevin, you've played a bunch of the games. Can you name to me, like, one tune from any of the games that, like, you can remember? Like, the actual name of the song? It doesn't, it doesn't matter the name, but, like, a, a song that's, like, resonated with you, an arrangement of sorts. They always have, like, weird names, like, Wings Unto Prayer, but yeah. you're falling. <laughs> they, they always have, like, these grandiose names that, like, just um, are crazy to me. A lot of themes from Part 8 stand out to me, because that's the one that I really, like, dove into, and definitely, uh, you know, I, I sucked off in the completion, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Um, Nine had some good tunes in it. Um, but I never really paid attention like, okay. that that much to the music. I, I think more diehard fans would be able to like you know walk away from a game and like can continually no, remember like themes from it. No, no, no. Like I, I was more remembering like my Nintendo games. Okay, games, like you know, Pocarina of Time and all whatnot. But, Interesting. You know, so for me, I can like walk away from any number of those games and still find myself like humming themes. Like I can still remember uh, Terra's theme from Six, Melodies of Life from Nine, or like the Shinra, yeah, or yeah. even like Genova's theme from Seven. Like those are such iconic arrangements to me that really right, like right. set the tone for like these <clears throat> scenes for these characters and that's really that's not even naming like an eighth of the ones that i can fucking remember um not a single arrangement stuck with me in final fantasy 13 which is really sad lightning's reverie <laughs> i'm sure that's right. i'm sure yeah it's I'm one sure, of yeah. you want to know what did stick with me though kevin what's that leona lewis what leona lewis who the fuck is that she is like this british uh songstress slash songwriter um who does like she's does pop music more or less but they use a lot of her music to be like the focal point of like scenes between like two of the characters yeah, yeah, yeah. and really just kind of shouldered on it too heavily and like no disrespect for her but her music has no fucking place being in a final fantasy <laughs> game. like not at all like you could have picked yeah. any other j-pop artist like you heard me listening to some of it when i was like doing notes and like yeah i didn't know stuff. what was going on i was you're feeling like, like really what? you're like weird about what was happening is this um, so for me, yeah, that that didn't fit at all. Um, and for some reason, Luana Lewis's My Hands was the one thing that I took away from that game musically. Uh, the Promise, which was the main theme, was a, was a nice touch that added like some emotional levity. Uh, and the battle music was catchy, but like really none of it stuck with me, which is a problem for a series uh, whose music has always forever resonated with fans. Um, so I could beat that horse dead forever. Um, but I'm going to move on to the next point. And... Um, Another iconic part of any Final Fantasy game is what? What do you, what do you think? Iconic is the battle system, right? Uh, yeah, that's one of them. The story? The story. There we go. <laughs> I win. You win. You got it, Kevin. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. You got a yeah. save room handy You already talked about one. the battle system, didn't you? I did, yeah. That was, one of, that was one of the strong points. It sucked. I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't like it at all. It, I, okay. I got two hours into the game, and I was like, fuck this. What's wrong with this Well, game? the thing is, like, they don't give it to you in the fullest way. They slog it with tutorials. And they kind of like repeatedly teach you over I, the course of thirty I do, hours. I remember reading something that said that like you literally can get like twenty hours in the game. And there's still tutorials. Yes. I was I was fuck? thirty hours in or more, and I finally got to like the open world segment. Which sorry, it shouldn't have taken that long to get there. No, nope. that, that's when the tutorials stopped. So um, the story is like a big centerpiece for any Final Fantasy game, and I'm gonna say it was just garbage for this game. 
Uh, as I've been told many times, as we've discussed, if you have to over-explain something, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, 90% of this story was explained through, like, data logs, terms, places, events, all these things that you had to actively look up. And none of it was, like, effectively portrayed in dialogue or the narrative. It was all, like, left to us to figure out. So if I never looked for that, like, I'm playing this really empty experience. And, dude, that, that, that was something that wasn't needed, like, in 7 or 8 oh. or 9. Like, it was... Or 10, even, yeah. which started with the blitz ball tournament for some yeah. reason really Which, off, well, it was a cool way. opening it kind of resonated no, with a lot of people and it, it definitely sticks with you for better or worse for worse yeah for worse i always so, lost that match so this yeah i think i do too every time and then every, every time i started up again i'm like i'm gonna win this time i'm gonna get that trophy and i never did dude that shit sucks anyway so yeah <laughs> the story was uh really disheartening and if you could even stand to figure out what they were talking about because they threw these weird terms at you like focus Falsy, Lassie. Uh, <laughs> yes, I remember. Lassie like, came up like a thousand like, times. What's Lassie? And every time you think you have like a, a, a strong hold on it, you forget it again. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like, okay, there are these gods in place called the Falsy, and they basically, if you get too close to them or they choose to bestow a, a focus on you, they will brand you with a Lassie marking. Oh, naturally. And you have like a set amount of time to fulfill your focus, and if you don't, you turn it into crystal. For whatever reason, I remember that. But, but in this this amazing story arc, they don't actually tell anybody how to fulfill their focus. Like I think you have a flash of it when you're initially like branded, but that's it. So you have to basically figure out what your focus is on your own. And I think like half of the game is these struggle characters struggling with figuring out what their focus is. Um, so they throw these terms at you, and they don't really like hand the story in a conventional way and it was just really unfortunate because like it could have been good it really could have been but I just I didn't know what it was half the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, and another thing that goes hand in hand with the story are characters in a Final Fantasy game Uh, they should be memorable they should resonate with you and for me save for like lightning all these characters were one dimensional they didn't resonate with me and I just found them like super annoying I hated hearing them pride on about this and that you know, half the time they were divided against each other and their cause was never the same. And then yeah. when they did, it just, it felt like such like, it almost felt like the the Martha thread from Batman versus Superman where like they come together on this one common thing and you're like, okay, that's what you're building the rest of the story on? Okay. You guys love chocobos. I get it. So yeah, the, the story, the characters were a big problem and I grew to really like uh, Lightning and Vanille towards the end, but it didn't save it for me. Um, and hand in hand with that are the summons. I don't know. Summons are really like, recognizable from the series and these summons were boring <laughs> they weren't memorable their designs were poor and they did this thing where like you could use them as summons but then you can also use them as vehicles where like you can ride one or you can drive one like it's a car and you'll do like extra like damage and whatnot um and it was called like going into like gestalt mode um i thought like oh the way the summons were activated was cool because like they were tied to the branding on like the lissy and like in stressful situations they would just kind of come out and protect you and I thought that was, like, a cool way to kind of, like, introduce them into the story. But otherwise, like, I don't care for any of them. Like, I don't know. The summons are usually, like, the coolest part. And I was just like, mm. Especially for a game that had such, like, awesome graphical output. I feel like they completely underutilized them. Um, and my last talking point on this... Um, you got more. You got so much hate for this game. It's, it's, it's just really constructive criticism. Daniel, obviously you're wrong because it had two sequels. It's the only Final Fantasy that has two sequels. Two sequels that I think were uh, proposed to fix mistakes that fans found <laughs> wrong with the first one. <laughs> yeah. Like, they yeah. tried to just, like, patch up, okay, okay, you didn't like this about the first one, we'll put it in the second one. Because I remember people were pretty hopeful about uh, 13 too. Yeah. People were like, yeah, no, it, it plays fine, the demo's good, blah, 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 and then, like, it just kind of dropped off after it came out. 
people are like, nah, I'm not going through that yeah. again. <laughs> it, it gave a, the sequel everything fans wanted from the first one. So the big thing about yeah. uh, the first one was like 80% of it was linear and bogged down with tutorials. It was on a rail. Right. Uh, you really like had no control, which is really unfortunate in like an open world JRPG. Um, and then it only becomes open world towards the end when you hit like this grand pulse area, which is this area that was like ravaged by like the war of transgression and they're just they're beasts everywhere so they use it as a platform for you to explore and do like hunt marks essentially Mm -hmm. and they're like 64 of them and you can find like items and just hunt your way through and it's like a good grinding spot but like for that to be the only open world segment it was like really discouraging it's like why like you have all these other games where you can go back in an airship and explore and backtrack and like talk to characters after events happen and like you know really like build on the world and like i get why they maybe couldn't have done it because like your characters are fugitives for most of the game they're on the run from like cocoon so they can't stay in one spot for too long so maybe to go back would kind of put them like on the target board and they would be found a little more easily yeah but fuck that shit yeah but fuck that it's a video game so so for me that sucked and th- i guess this is where final fantasy te- uh, 13 2 kind of picked it up it's like okay you want an open world well here's a huge open world game and tons of side quests that don't make any sense we'll put these characters <laughs> in situations that you wouldn't believe so yeah. that that was really it was just unfortunate because like I don't know. I, I look forward to the open world part in any Final Fantasy game. It's a good uh, tension breaker leading up to the climax. So, like, you know there's going to be this last crazy final battle, and you're like, okay, cool, let me just go back. Take in the world last time before it's destroyed, or I die, or whatever happens. Or the fuck. Yeah. And just go on. Um, so yeah, that was super disappointing for me, even though I played it twice and put over like 200 hours into it. Even though I wasted 200 hours into yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're at with that one. So Listen, I played like 80 hours of fucking... No, not even. Like 40 hours of that fucking Raccoon City piece of shit. Did you really? Yeah, dude. I, oh I, I played a bunch of the online. I did some of the campaigns a few times. And then after that, I was just like, okay, quitsies. Done. I'm not going back to this. <laughs> you were sick for that game. Oh, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. Fuck. I'm done, 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 done. So I'm, 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 I'm sorry about your... Final Fantasy 13 debacle. It's okay. I mean, maybe 15 will deliver in different ways. Um, my thing is, like... I'm excited for 15. I, I, I never have hu- like I never have huge expectations for the games. I just want them to be good and build on the previous games in, in cool ways and not, like, backpedal and do things that don't make sense. I know. So. Daniel? Hmm. We've come to this this part of the podcast. Okay. And, um... I, I'm glad you saved this one for last. I know. We'll be transparent with you. We, we've talked about this one, uh quite a few times yeah. we did a little more research on it uh we watched the videos we felt my anger for it and i feel it rising right now yeah i wasn't a part of this ride initially so i had to kind of like you weren't take yeah. the co-pilot seat no, 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 and really no, no, experience it with you <laughs> so and i will say outright this is my most disappointing game of all fucking time i have not played another game that has upset me more than this game has listeners this is true yeah going from expectation to reality no other game has demoralized me or crushed me like this fucking game demoralized me man i was i was a fucking i was a just a revenant of a person fuck (laughs) brought back without my soul after i i I completed this game okay and got rid of it very very quickly so my most disappointing game of all time is Aliens Colonial Marines. It shouldn't surprise most. No. And I don't think you're the only one. 
So outright, I am a huge Aliens fan. I watch these movies when I probably shouldn't have, although that's like the common theme of all the shit I love. Yeah. Evil Dead, Resident Evil. None of it Aliens. was age appropriate. No, and I was watching it was like fucking seven, eight, nine. Jeez. Like I, uh, the first time I saw Aliens, it was definitely on VHS. That were you know to date me a little bit here, mm. <laughs> and I love the shit out of that movie. I do. That's I, I I still say to this day, even though I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan, and you know, like that's the easy answer to give people like, what's your favorite movie, dude? Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's Aliens. Okay. Aliens, more succinctly, the director's cut. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I I love a lot of the things that were left out. I love the backstory of Ripley, mm-hmm. where she's a mother. You get a sense of that. You get a sense of loss. Yeah, you know? and you get more of the sense of the reason between her bond um, between her and Newt. Like it makes it that much right. more powerful. Right, 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 right. We're not gonna get into that mm. avenue. But I'm just saying, I love aliens. Yeah, I do love aliens because I can talk about aliens all fucking day yeah, about like oh, why it's, it's actually a love story between a, a mother and daughter. Da, mm. da, 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 da. Fucking great movie. So on paper, <laughs> it sounded like a great idea mm. that Gearbox. By the time that we started caring about the game, Borderlands was already under their belt. Yeah. The first Borderlands, I should say, uh, was under their belt. And to hear that Gearbox was doing an Aliens adaptation was just like that's fucking that's a yeah. good idea. Absolutely, go for it, man. It's gonna be like Borderlands, but with aliens. That'd have been cool, like a four-person co-op like yeah. alien experience. And this is how it was sold for a while. So um, we did a little research on this. and A little. A little research on this. Uh, I'm looking at one article right now in specific from Eurogamer.net. And I think the one question that is on everyone's mind after it came out, um, they got, <laughs> they were contracted, Gearbox I should say, for the job all the way back in, yeah, 2006. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. I thought it was only like 2008 or 9. Okay, so Aliens uh, Colonial Marines was originally announced as a PS2 slash Xbox game that was under development from, fuck, I forget the name of the developer. It was a different studio entirely. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gearbox uh, was contracted to do it by Sega. Sega bought the rights to the Aliens franchise to make into, uh, adapt into video games, I should say. All the way back in 2006 when this... Uh, article. It began with Sega pur- uh, when purchased the rights to make two Alien games in 2006, an RPG from Obsidian, which never came to be, which is a goddamn shame. Obsidian did both uh, Kotar Tour, or I mean to say Knights of the Old Republic Part 2, okay. and they also did Fallout New Vegas. They they know RPGs. Sure. They should have done this fucking game. They actually released art assets for that game that looked brilliant. Hmm. Um, and an FPS from Gearbox who was then mostly known for developing Brothers in Arms and Half-Life expansions, opposing Force and Blue Ship. So, uh, um, from what I understand, (laughs) was that production on this game did not begin improper uh, until basically like 2011. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd be getting some facts disoriented here and there. Uh, No, 2010 actually. I'm looking at the article right now. So what had happened uh, was that there were some milestones that weren't met on the game originally. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sega apparently canceled it at one point, and then sure. it went back into production with Gearbox still behind the driver's seat. But it got to a point uh, somewhere around November 2010 that developer TimeGate was tapped to work on the single-player campaign. And... 
there's this whole mess, and I'm, I I don't want to point fingers. I don't want you know. I'm not. I'm not. It's interesting, and I think it would make a good fucking like. There there there's these certain documentaries, you know, in the video game universe, mm-hmm. of, like stories behind the scenes that we never, we may never know the truth behind. That I wish Kotaku would do a more blown up like piece an expose about it. about it. And Kotaku did write about this event, by the mm-hmm. way, because they there's a few people behind the scenes, uh, depending on whether they work for Time Gator Gearbox, spoke okay. about what was going behind the scenes. And you know, I don't want to speak on, you know, there's there's some um, claims of embezzlement and this and that 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 Sega Sega's money essentially that was supposed to be going towards aliens mm-hmm. was being funneled towards Borderlands. None of this can be confirmed. None of this can be. No. That's not the fucking point. The fucking point is what the end result was, and the end result was a fucking travesty of a game. Damn. You know, it's a game that would have been perfectly fine. Two thousand and six would have been perfectly fine as an early generation Xbox three hundred and sixty game. Mm-hmm. Would have been perfectly fine even as a late generation PS two game. Is is what this was, but it came out in February of twenty thirteen. And the biggest fucking indictment toward this game is that there was this gameplay demo, a nearly 10-minute gameplay demo that was narrated or uh, by uh, Randy Pitchford, who's yeah. the studio head of Gearbox. And this demo looked fucking sublime. It, it was perfect. It, it, was, it was everything we love about Aliens. The lighting was out of this fucking world. Mm-hmm. The effects were great. The rain effects, the alien AI was crazy. You know, we watched this demo together. We were like, Jesus Christ. It looked very impressive. It was just like, and, and, and one thing that I was thinking to myself too, like, you know, going back and, and, you know, we're in 2016 now, it's three years old, or this demo actually was like four years old, mm-hmm. was that this looks like a PS4 game. It was like the initial thought in my head, like, this looks like it could be on PS4. And that's when we should have started the worry. (laughs) So one claim that uh, somebody who apparently worked closely or worked at TimeGate was that they were tapped to create a gameplay demonstration, which ended up being that demo that Mm -hmm. we saw. Um, And they were told explicitly it doesn't matter about the tech. It doesn't matter if it's the actual game's tech. Just make sure that demo is fucking awesome. Because nobody was going to play it. Exactly. It, it was actually, that demo was never playable by press. And this segment that they showed, for the most part, was in the final product. But when you get to the final product, the entire thing, and there's plenty of comparison videos that you can fucking see online, it looks so de yeah. The textures are fucking dumbed down. We watched it last night, and like we saw what you said looks like you know, an early-gen PS4 game or a late-gen PS3 game. Exactly. And it looked like an N64 game, like early PS2 <laughs> game. So I was like, what is this? this it looks so bad. It looks like a PS2 game. Yeah. It really did. It, it, the, the effects were horrible. The particle effects were horrible. Uh, one line from Randy Pitchford in the demo was that when the Xenomorphs finally pop out, he was like, they're being run on sophisticated enemy AI. Okay. I've played the game. I own the game. I bought the game day one. I'm yeah. a big Alien fan. Aliens, I should say, specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have had instances in that game 
where the xenomorphs couldn't even get over like a railing. Oh, no, fuck. Like they would come up, start crawling, and get just get stuck in midair. Like they couldn't fucking make it. They're like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I want to eat you, but I'm fucking just I'm cemented caught. to this invisible wall. They're like, my foot is caught. <laughs> and yeah, they they look like they're like holding on to an invisible wall. Like their arms outstretched, and they're just like, I can't make this. And a lot of the time, I'd run into aliens that just wouldn't be able to get to me. I would see them, I would hear them, the music would be like, do, 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 like, you know, going crazy mm-hmm. as, as if there's something in the area. And yet I would look and, like, you, you're not coming, are you, my dude? <laughs> like, you're not coming near me anywhere. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. It, the game's campaign was just dumb. The story didn't even. <sighs> it never gelled together. The characters never give you a reason to care about it. For a game that came out in 2013, we're talking about a game that came out in the same year as Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us. And the story fucking sucks. Where narratives were really speaking volumes for games. Absolutely. The story but, sucks, and I could have forgiven that if the campaign was at least mildly playable, but you're but giving boring tasks. We were talking about it, yeah, and w- when they outsourced it to that other company... Timegate. Timegate. They weren't given a script. They weren't given any direction on it. Correct. That's one of the things that the one of these anonymous sources uh, said, that they weren't given any sort of script very little direction they were given they were given a bunch of assets for the game and uh gearbox even tapped original design artist from the film uh sid need okay. to uh finish some of the areas in the uh Sulaco, which is the uh you know the main marine ship okay. the drop ship from aliens uh that you end up playing in the game and they were just given all these assets like randomly and all they would really get was just very obtuse directions and sometimes them going like this isn't really working for us you know like I can go through some of this shit here where originally Timegate uh, or I should say the anonymous source from Timegate said that there was a really good synergy between both teams about what needed to happen it was a very love love situation you know everyone at Timegate was pretty stoked okay said another source from the uh, well you know just random employees apparently mm-hmm. that were speaking out and this uh, love love situation changed when Timegate began to work on Colonial Marines then codename Pecan mm-hmm. <laughs> as it became apparent that Gearbox had ignored the game for years according to three staffers Gearbox focused the vast majority of its efforts on Duke Nukem Forever Borderlands and Borderlands 2 and this this is the thing that fucking burns my ass a little bit. It was there was obviously not four years of work done on the game, no. said one source. Apparently, what Gearbox gave Timegate was merely a collection of assets with little rhyme or reason to how it was all planned to come together. Uh, the quote says, "A lot of assets just didn't seem like they fit there," <laughs> you know. And this is the most the most damning quote that I can fucking find. Um, was that from from a source who worked in the project said the game feels like it was made in nine months that's because it was Jesus so there was like this turnaround period basically towards towards the end of the, the last mile stretch <laughs> where all of the games suddenly need to come together very quickly Sega's like banging on doors like hey where's yeah. our fucking game Sega's like what the fuck's going on Gearbox is like uh last time game you know like shit like that it was just it was just a fucking mess and it, it, it's it's one of those stories about mismanagement that I think probably needs to be out there a little bit more you know obviously this is an embarrassing story yeah. this is a story that no studio wants to publicize whatsoever no. it, it, it's reminiscent of stories like um, uh, Silicon Knights and their attempts to make Eternal Darkness 2 in the midst of 
being contracted by Activision to make that fucking awful X-Men Destiny game where obviously uh, no one gave a shit about doing it. They didn't want to do that. And every day was just like this new fucking mind fucked where Dennis Dyack, the studio head at the time, would just come in and be like, the barrels aren't red enough. Make sure the barrels are red. And that's like his only fucking constructive criticism about what's going on. This is this is such a, like this is a story where it's just like I feel like this, the game was just abandoned, you know. It was just like oh, this isn't as lucrative for us because we're being contracted to this game, you know. Where it's as if uh, us working on original IP would be way more conducive to our fucking career, you know. Which is something we very kind of minutely discussed. We're like, okay, maybe they did abandon ship to work on Borderlands because like, well, this is our IP. We're gonna make the most profit off of it, and we're gonna go from right. there. Which is just it's shitty. It's like, okay, you had an agreement with Sega, who's a fucking they're like still a big name. They are a big name I, as far as despite how go. far they have fallen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in the gaming industry, but yeah, they're still a big name, and, and you know, you're you're contracted out to work on a very big property. Yeah, a and beloved property. For the know? longest time, you know, I remember we talked about I had the original Game Informer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of blew up the story, uh, you know, the preview story for Aliens Colonial Marines, and they talked about certain features like it would be four-player co-op. It ended up being two-player co-op, okay. uh, which is fine. That's a fine, like, okay, cool. At least you it was know. still co-op. Like, I understand things happen during development, you know? Things do happen during development, but, the, the, but we're talking about this. I remember this fucking magazine coming out in, like, 2010. game didn't come out until 2013. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, you know? Um where they also spoke about how there's this one uh, idea in the game where every character had a class and they would need to work together in certain ways. And if your character died during the narrative, they would stay dead for the rest of the game. Shit. I remember outright reading that. That's I have a very rad. long memory, dude, I do. And this is actually, this is something that never ended up in Colonial Marines, but was a conceit that was later, uh, later reused for a game called Aliens Infestation which was a DS game that is a Metroidvania title that's fucking great, actually. Mm. Never gets a lot of love. Never gets a lot of love. It should. It is a good game, and it's in and of itself, you mm. know? And I just remember finding that so odd. It was like, that was supposed to be in Colonial Marines. And Colonial Marines ended up just being this weird... I, I don't know. It was just a fucking mess of a campaign. It was such a shallow campaign. The, the shooting didn't feel right. The AI was goddamn stupid. The graphics were muddy. Mm-hmm. The story was just like... First of all, the story shouldn't even exist. We talked about it. Hadley's hope at the end of Aliens was fucking nuked. Decimated, yeah. Decimated with a, a, a thermonuclear explosion the size of Nebraska, as described <laughs> by characters in the film. And yet, we go there and it's like, oh yeah, it looks like a few grenades went off, but it's fine. There should not there be... There were still structures intact, like there, working equipment. Right, there should not be Hadley's hope. Like, already it fails in that. You know, I understand you're trying to go directly for the tone of that game. It's mm-hmm. just... It's just such a fucking mess, and there's such a, you know, there's this behind-the-scenes story that, you know, it even spawned out to today where there was supposedly a class action lawsuit was trying to be filed against both Sega and Gearbox for um, false advertising. And the judge threw it out under the basis that, like, there was no way to really prove that every single person that bought the game viewed this trailer, this initial misleading trailer that looked so fucking great. And then when you actually did the comparison shots of what's in the game, it was just like, what happened? Did we go back a generation somehow? What yeah. the fuck? But that demo was running on very high-end PCs, and that demo was never made available to uh, the press. Like, when there was, you, you couldn't play at PAX, you couldn't play at E3. Simple as that. Which, if people were in the industry and talking amongst each other, that should have been a huge fucking red flag. Like, have you played this game? No, have you? Huh. 
I mean, dude, actually, that shit happens all the time where it's just like we can only view the game because what it is, a, in game development, a game is usually a goddamn mess mm-hmm. until it's not. Very simple. I, I remember Anthony Birch, who worked at Gearbox, said that outright. He used to condemn games like Assassin's Creed for being just so shallow and all that, and then he realized after working on games, no, no wonder franchises exist because you already laid down the foundation and you just build on top of that. Mm-hmm. Before then, it's this fucking mess of pieces that don't fit together and are all over the goddamn place mm-hmm. until it finally does come together. So to put this fucking smorgasbord of very obtuse, broad-stroke ideas and give it into the press's hands, like, of course, they're gonna be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, this doesn't yeah. make any sense. So, of course, they give you these glossy high-end demos and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I want to mention before we wrap this up is that back in 2010, Sega also published a game by uh, Rebellion. Rebellion Games worked on it. Rebellion worked on the Warriors game back in the day, mm-hmm. published by Rockstar and whatnot. Um, cool cool studio, and they worked on every single Aliens vs. Predator title before then, I believe. Or at least they did part two. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Fuck fact checking. Anyway. Fuck it. Rebellion did the third Aliens vs. Predator, which was just renamed Aliens vs. Predator. And I remember it being one of those things where uh, there was like a press embargo on it. I picked it up day one. I'm such a big fan of Aliens. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking pick up anything. Same thing with Resident Evil. Yeah. Maybe shit. I'm going to pick it up. I want to know where the series You'll take goes. the risk. And I remember walking into the GameStop, uh, and I was cool with the manager there. And he, he never he never tried to, like, put a veil over my fucking head. He knew I worked at the GameStop before, too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he, he outright said, like, hey, by the way, uh, you might want to check out that Game Informer article about it. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they, they reviewed it. And I opened up the Game Informer, and I remember seeing a fucking four. A four out of ten Jeez. for this fucking game. Very distinctly remember, like, holy shit, did they hate this game. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in for some... Like, I already bought it. Like, I already, like, paid off my pre-order. I'm like, God damn it. But I was like, I thought in my head, like, fuck, I love Aliens, though. Took it home, and it was a blast. You know? It, it wasn't the best example of a first-person shooter out there. You know, mm-hmm. the, there were some other games coming out at the time that were, especially in 2010, that were leagues above what this game was trying to do. But it looked fucking great. It reminded me sort of Quake. It had three different campaigns where you play as a xenomorph, a predator, or a human. And they were all fun. That actually sounds really fucking cool. Playing as an alien was fucking yeah. great because it was all about like you running as fast as possible and like you can use all terrain because you can stick to ceilings, you mm-hmm. can move around, and you're just hiding in the dark and setting up stealth kills against human Shit. enemies. And sometimes you'd fight a predator. It was great. That's cool. As a predator, did you have like the cloaking ability? Yes, you did. Wow. Yes, you did. And you could use either long range equipment, you could use your fucking spear, mm-hmm. like in Predator 2, uh, or you can go up close and personal with your fucking claws and take out humans. There are some gory executions in that yeah. game too. Like like what Doom is doing today, mm-hmm. Aliens versus Predator was Set already doing. Yeah. Ripping off fucking pe- like heads. It was amazing. I loved the game and it even had a horde mode where you play as a human fighting against a oh, fucking cavalcade of aliens. It was great. It was hard too. And I was just like, yeah, it has some stiffness to it and it has some, you know, some narrative problems, but the tone was great. The story was original. The worlds were great. It's a way better game than Colonial Marines, and people gave it such shit. But I, I just, hmm. you know, they, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> That's a game that deserves some love to go back to. Way more than really. Colonial Marines. Hmm. So that would be my most disappointing game of all time. It hurt me very badly, my friend. But you're not the only one it hurt. 
It hurt everybody. Yeah. Everyone was shitting on it so hard. It made money. It did. Yeah. It it I mean, I'm I'm one of the suckers that made it make money. But I paid you... the full 60, you know, day 1 cuz I cuz I you know what? I was thinking the same thing when I picked up that game, which is, you know what? They gave that Aliens versus Predator 4 and I loved it. Here we go again. Hmm. I was so wrong. So, do you, do you have available to you some of the comments we found on that uh <laughs> Original. Oh my god, I nearly forgot. So original walkthrough this, demo? This original walkthrough, hosted by, uh, uh, or narrated by Randy Pitchford, who's online, and we were going through it, and it's like people are still commenting to this fucking day. Yeah, I think one of the last comments we saw was like two <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, the, the one thing that hurts is that we've gotten a great Alien game. We talked about it earlier in the show, Alien Isolation, mm-hmm. but that's a great Alien game. Yeah. We have yet to get a great Aliens game. A good action sci-fi shooter. You know, that's what I wanted out of it. I want a great action sci-fi shooter. I don't want a hide-and-seek game out of Aliens, you know? But... (laughs) So we have a few... Some of these comments are just fucking nuts. You know, a lot of them are just, like, attacking Randy Pitchford. Um, But it's a very valid peanut gallery. It really is. Some of my favorites. (laughs) <laughs> so one of them is obvious is like lies fucking randy pitchford you fucked up duke nukem and you fucked up aliens <laughs> like they're all attacks on randy one of them is fuck you randy that is all i just came here to say that and then my favorite this one is just <laughs> like it's i'll think about this till the day i die i think this well. will stick with you more than the game will it really does it's you lied. You lied to me, and you've dishonored yourself. <laughs> you've dishonored yourself. Who the fuck are you? What roving samurai is walking around in the world? <laughs> just just like accusing it. Gearbox of dishonoring themselves. I like it. Oh, <laughs> we've been like screaming that quote all day today. What a good sense of accountability by user Coyote824. I was like, Daniel, you lied. You, you lied and you dishonored yourself. Oh my god. Uh, but all of these are just, they're all over the place. Final game was so disappointing. Da 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 da. Where was one? Well, one of them was just like, you fucking gearbox, you're gonna fucking pat for this. <laughs> I love people too angry to, to fucking check what they write. Yeah. Let's see. Ah, I play this game, and this is totally different if they remake in Colonial Marines. It's, again, it's all just fucking gobbledygook. They should put on the Xbox One or PlayStation 4 version if they do that. Yeah, you think that'll make it better? And I'm just like, what a. This is from three months ago. I'm like, what a hopeful comment. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, the only thing you care about is its fidelity. Maybe PlayStation was right about this fucking PS4 Pro bullshit, <laughs> you know? Because they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll play Colonial Marines games, it'll look better. <laughs> like, that's not what was wrong with it. I don't think that's going to make it look better. <laughs> they need to redesign textures and levels and everything going on in backgrounds and foregrounds. <laughs> like, they need to never touch this game again. <laughs> and I think, I think... There's no saving it at this point? I think they've absolutely burned bridge between them, them and uh, Sega. Damn. Uh, I mean, you know, not that they were ever going to work together again. I mean, it, it felt like a one-off to begin with, mm-hmm. but I, I think definitely Sega's just, they've learned a lesson there. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, yeah, like, when, when the boat starts a-rocking, it's time to jump ship. That's, that, I think that's what they learned, and I think they've had a more fruitful rela- uh, relationship with Creative Assembly, mm-hmm. uh, working on Alien Isolation. 
And I, I think for the future, when they see that milestones aren't being hit, and you know shit's getting a little, little shady behind the scenes, it's time to back out. Yeah. Time to be like you know they reassign what? it. Nah. I, I'm I'm sure now the contracts that these motherfuckers are uh, doling out are like thousands of pages thick. <laughs> After this entire event, absolutely. Fool me once. Yeah. Oh man. You have buy the game. Install overmall mode. It's make gameplay way more better than original. <laughs> the comment <laughs> reads like how that game probably played. <laughs> you know what? That's Super fair. Super disjointed and nonsense. That's fair. And then we'll end on this one right here. When I first heard of this, talk about Colonial Marines. Okay. Excited. When I saw the demo, gonna explode from excitement. Okay. When I played the game, died of disappointment. Fuck. And that's where we cap off our topic, our most disappointing games. You got any uh, honorable mentions? Um, I do. Uh, some honorable mentions for me. Uh, Bioshock 2, which played more like an expansion than an actual fucking new installment. Yeah, but it's actually okay. I started playing it over the weekend on the on the remastered collection. And I was just like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, but get further into it. And you'll see that it's just like same thing after same thing. Like every room, every new area stage the same. There's always a big daddy fight. You're always like collecting little sisters. There's always a big sister fight. Like Yeah, yeah, it, I'll get there. It played like an expansion. I'll get there. That's and fine. then my other one was just uh, God of War 3. Like, I don't know. You mentioned that we have problems with God of War 3. Yeah, I mean, you know... Just Kratos it, is a shitty character. Yeah, and I feel like you gave him enough room to be spiteful and bloodthirsty, vengeful uh, in the first two games, and then at that point it was still this testosterone death hype train, and I was just over it. Yeah, I just... It just uh, Kratos appeals to the lowest common denominator in games. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that hoorah Call of Duty bullshit just wants to see fucking heads ripped off kind of stuff, you know? People that play games because they want to turn off their brain. Yeah. You know, that, that that's what Kratos and God of War stands for. And I'm really glad to see that uh, uh, Sony's going back to the drawing board with Part 4 and really trying to make a more thoughtful experience. I like that. I feel like they should have done that early because I feel like Kratos' arc should have been finished way sooner than it did. Right. <laughs> I would have been fine with the God of War 4 that did not feature Kratos in mm. any sort of way. But uh, I, I understand the, the brand recognition needs to stay there. Whatever. Do your fucking thing. It, yeah, it is I was it very is. unimpressed with Part 3. To be honest with you, to be fair with you, because uh, I need to be fair with you, Daniel. Okay. I didn't like Part 2. Hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, I love Part 2. Like, I, didn't, I stopped giving shit after Part 1. I played Part 2 and I was just like, this is Part 1 again. Part 5, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, it's just the same game again. I don't understand why people go crazy over this, but whatever. You know, there wasn't very many experiences like that. No. You know, it, Devil, Devil May Cry was close, but it didn't have that same fucking uh, brutal edge, I guess you mm -hmm. should say, that God of War had. And it, it was important, and it was formative for other developers, because, like, I feel like Konami borrowed from that when they made fucking Castlevania. They did. That they, was They borrowed that was awesome. heavily, and, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say it's a very original game, but I, I just love the way it came together. I love the story. I love all that shit. I, I will fucking... I will petition for Lord to Shadow every day, <laughs> every day of my life. Anybody that tries to come after me about that, because because you know, I've heard some people say like, "Oh, fucking Konami ruined Castlevania when they did Lord to Shadow," and I'm just like, "Fuck you!" They ruined it with Lord to Shadow too. <laughs> 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 Not after part one. We were good, Daniel. I think we're good. I think so. My I guy. think we're feeling good here. Yeah. I think we're going to end it. You want to say goodnight to our viewers? I do want to say goodnight to our viewers. Mm. For us, it's like almost 2 a.m. Yeah. We fucked up again. And this will be getting to you guys in the p.m. sometime. <laughs> sometime. Some afternoon, sometime whether it's tomorrow week. or the next. It's fine. 
Uh, we do appreciate. I, I, I do want to do a little little maintenance here. We do appreciate it uh, very earnestly if you guys can share what we're doing here. Uh, we obviously have a passion for what we're doing. I like doing this. I love meeting with you and fucking doing a podcast. I I hope it's at least entertaining. We are open to feedback. We have our Twitter handles at Kevin Apocalypse. Uh, he's at Daniel Intendu. If you're having problems with that, just find me. You'll find you'll find me talking. <laughs> I'm not to far away. Absolutely, and yeah, just you know, send us some topics too. If you'd like to have us dish on something, awesome. You know, uh, this this show is still young. Yeah, we're still forming it, and it could really become anything based off of what we want or the criticisms you guys have. Correct. And we're super open, guys, to that feedback. Like we we want this to Absolutely. be the best thing that you guys can have. To we your want ears. this to be a completely different beast within like a year from now. Oh, you know? for sure, will be. We want it to continue for a year. We need your ears. We need you sharing it. That'd be fucking fantastic. We'll love you forever. We want to do some big things coming down the line. Uh, whether that details more interaction with the fans or whether that means giveaways or whatnot, we're very open to any of these possibilities. Mm-hmm. But we do appreciate you sticking through. This has been episode four. We're going to continue this series through the year. We're going to try to get this out every week. It's going to get a little fucked up. Because I have New York Comic Con coming up, and I think we can get out one more show for next week. Okay. And then there's going to be a lull because of New York Comic Con. That's That'd fine. be the problem. They give so. us time to work on things. Exactly. Wise and... So you know. So you know. That's what's happening. Boom. But, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Save Room. I am Kevin, and I am Daniel. And remember to save your game.